With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk shoe. Recorded, Recorded live. live. Hey, if you ever want to know if it's really me or some imposter, just notice that I always say that at the beginning. I used to do it back in the old days when I listened to Rod Class and them. I'd hear it come on and I'd always say, Recorded live. So... I decided I was going to do it every week. All right, um, it's 7.33 p.m. We're on Daylight Savings now, Eastern Time, March 16, 2017. We're one day past the Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. Um, Maine's birthday. (laughs) Maybe that tells us something. I don't know. Well, I'm in a pretty good mood tonight. I have a little bit of a headache, though, and it makes it hard for me to think when I have a headache. So we'll see if I can be rational and all that stuff, if I can actually make sense. And um, glad you're here. It's good to see everybody here tonight. Um, The week, as usual, just blasted by fast. I mean, I did look at a lot of um, news media reports on the various things going on, and I try to make sure I watch the Sunday shows even long enough to, you know, see what the general comments are because they're they're taking um, the people that go on those shows, pundits, I guess they call them. Um, they take the talking points that we always hear people laugh about, but they're true. They're talking points for sure because they use the exact same words when they talk to each other about whatever the issues are of the day. And um, I try to listen to those on Sunday to see what their talking points are and what they're going to be stressing in the news reports throughout the week in order to create a certain impression in the minds of the public. And it's still, it's been Russians all the time. It's been Russians, Russians, Russians. It's also been um, a widely used theme to discredit the president as though he somehow has a mental problem. Um, all these things are like well-known elements in you know, the study of narcissism. They'd want to say that Donald Trump is a narcissist, and you know I haven't, I haven't seen an entire um, list of traits that would say that he is an absolute narcissist. Yes, he has a very strong ego, and he really thinks highly of himself. But a narcissist has no empathy whatsoever. They don't have the ability to see another person's plight. And I don't believe that's the case with Donald Trump. And I just said it again. I said, Donald Trump. We got so used to hearing Donald Trump and Trump all the time that no one says the president as often as they should. He is the president. He's President Trump. And so, you know, that is another way that, you know, the public mind is being twisted to believe that he's somehow illegitimate when really the previous president was the one that was illegitimate. And I keep hearing the same arguments coming up that he was, you know, talking about the birth certificate of Barack Obama. <laughs> he he merely repeated what he'd heard. He merely repeated the stories that were out everywhere. He wasn't the one that originated that idea. That was Hillary Clinton. But um, I don't believe that 
Barack Obama was born in the United States, and you know, no one's going to convince me otherwise unless they come up with a real birth certificate, and the one that was given was not real, and they put it on the White House website as though it was. It means that somebody knew that they were putting false information out, so whatever. Don't care. He's gone now, but the fact is that if we had an illegitimate president for eight years, then everything that he did while he was in office and all the repercussions of that are they're concerning. There are things that need to be overturned and, and put back the way they were supposed to be. Even beyond, I mean, there's even more than that. But that would be a start, and I think that's what Donald Trump, President Trump is doing. He's returning things that were done by Obama to a pre-Obama state. And then from there, I guess, we'll have to work on the other things where our government was taken over in certain areas and changed without our permission. All right. Um, Let's see. Um, The news this week, uh, let's see what else was on there. Of course, the things that related to um, Rachel Maddow, that's the most recent one. Her story that she did, or a big supposedly expose on President Trump's tax returns from 2005, and she really stepped in it because a lot of people already didn't really like her that much. And to see that hype, like they said, it was like Al Capone's vault when Geraldo Rivera did hours worth of uh, build up and excitement only to find basically nothing in there. I remember watching it that night live. Everybody was all excited. It was a big deal. Um, And it was similar to that as like, you know, I have President Trump's tax returns and everybody tunes in in time to see her fall on her face. Well, my question would be, why would somebody read something that was supposed to be so earth-shattering and volatile? Why would they read that live on the air without having already seen it and know what it says. And I don't believe she knew what it said or she wouldn't have been so surprised when she read it that he paid that, what was it, $38 million in taxes. I think it was a surprise to her. Um, and I started wondering if maybe somebody at the network there had, had set her up because, you know, occasionally I'll read things cold on, on this show. I'm not even a you know professional paid media person by any means, but if I were going to have a bombshell of some kind, I certainly as heck would read it first. I do think read things cold sometimes on this UDA program, but when I do it, I tell you that I'm doing it, that it's the first time I've seen it. I haven't had time to read it. And when I read it, I comment on it right then, but I don't just like tell you I have some big information and then, oh, by the way, I need to read it first. I don't know what's going on with these people. It's like their brains aren't working. So that was pretty funny, and now, of course, there's a bunch of Facebook memes and all kinds of things coming out because Rachel Maddow did that. So it's like, you know, um, breaking news. Um, I have, oh, what was the one I saw that was so funny? It was something like, I have his dental exams from 1997 or something like that. It's ridiculous stuff. And then the news, you know, as far as um, saying where are the taxes, tax returns, where are the tax returns, and a a president doesn't have to give out their tax returns. An individual person doesn't need to give out their tax returns. So 
you know, if they want to go that route, I think we should see everyone's, and they should be in alphabetical order. That's my librarian self. They should be in alphabetical order so we can have easy access to see how much money people make and exactly what they spent their money on and whether or not they're uh, paying a fair percentage of taxes. Let's see. Um, a couple of funny videos that were, you know, on on YouTube that related to political things. You know, that's what I usually focus on, anyways. But one of them was uh, Tommy Lahrer, who's a uh, Lauren, I mean, who is a um, oops, she is a reporter, I guess you'd call it, um, from Fox, I think, and. She was talking to Jessica Tarloff, who is like a, what do you call it, Democrat spokesperson or whatever, but I don't want to use words like libtard because that's what I see all day long and I'm not, I usually don't call names of people, but um, it was a person who really was almost like out to lunch in the way she was thinking and speaking. So I'll just give you a link to that. You can look at it later if you're interested in that stuff. Um, trying to see what the name of it is so I can put a little thing with it. It was uh, Tommy Lauren. I think that's how you spell it. And a Dem spokesperson. Can I say clueless Dem spokesperson? Because that's how I felt when I heard it. I thought it was funny, so I saved it. Jessica Tarlov. I haven't even heard of her yet. That doesn't even sound like a real name. Um, people are calling for Donald Trump's head all the time, and it's like, why? Why are they so mad? Is it because he's successful? Is it because they're jealous? Is it because they're paid to do these things? I'm not sure. Some of the people, I think, are hiding because they're scared to death of what's going to happen to them because they know that he's coming. He's coming after them. There was some speculation on whether or not he released his own 2005 tax return just so that he could see where it went. I don't think he would do that. He says he didn't do it. I don't think he would lie. I think he hates liars. I think that's one of the reasons why they don't like him, because he will tell it. He'll just tell it, how he feels about things. Oh, there's that one. Let's see. What else? I've been cleaning my desk off, and I found a link to this girl called Hope Girl 2012, and I thought, I wonder if she's still around. So I went and clicked on Hope Girl and found hopegirlblog.com. I haven't read through it yet to see what she's up to now, but it's somebody I used to uh, follow or read or whatever back in, must have been 2012, if that was the name of her um, blog back then. So... If anybody was a follower of Hope Girl, here's a here's a link to her. I think it, I think her name was Hope Girl 2012, and I don't know how I came to recognize that name. Maybe she was, you know, somebody that was on Neil Keenan. Maybe she was somebody that was on Godlike Productions posting things. I don't know, but I saved it. So I thought, well, maybe I'll see if it's still interesting. So there's the blog link. You could go look at it and see if anything she's doing interests you. It could be anything. It could be spirituality. It could be alien 
technology. It could be socialist agenda. I don't remember, honestly, what it was about. Okay, let's see. Um, let's see. Sean Spicer was confronted by a woman who was calling Trump a fascist and wanted to know if he was also a fascist and all of the um, all of the verbal barrage that she could muster in a few minutes, she did. He couldn't get a word in edgewise, and she was extremely rude. A lot of people came back on her, and they were writing comments to her Twitter and her Facebook. I'm not sure whether that stopped yet or not, because I did go look like in the next day or two, and she had taken some time off, she said, because she didn't want to have to deal with all these people that were coming after her online about her behavior. But her name is Shree Shohan, and it's S-H-R-E-E. Her last name is C-H-A-U-H-A-N. And it says she's a 33-year-old Indian-American woman who lives in Washington, D.C. and works for a nonprofit. Um, I believe the nonprofit is something she started. And what she did was she confronted him, which apparently is something she's done other times to other people. She confronted him... um, just with, a, like I said, a barrage of just verbal abuse and wouldn't let him talk and then claimed that he was racist towards her because he said something about we let people like you into the country, which I don't even know if that's exactly what he said because his voice was very low, but it's what she said he said. And then they tried to make a big deal out of that. And people were coming to Sean Spicer's aid online by saying, no one deserves to be treated that way in public. He was having, you know, he was having private time not working. He didn't need to have somebody come up to him and attack him that way. So basically calling her out on that. So you don't hear her name in the paper, though, do you? You hear his, but you don't hear hers, and that's the unfairness of it, in my opinion. So here's the, um, here's the link to that story in the Daily Mail, which a lot of times will have pictures and stuff. They don't just tell you it, but they show you pictures. I like the Daily Mail for the fact that it has pictures usually. So if something happens, go over there and look, and you might see like four or five pictures of an incident. I think in this particular one, there's probably just a video. There may be one picture of her or something, but um, say there was a famous person that something happened to, they would have several pictures usually. So I like that too. Okay, so Desert Pete says Hope Girl is was caught up in a fraud technology and disappeared last seen in Morocco. <laughs> Good to know. So I'm well anyway, I didn't recommend her, did I? I just said I don't remember what she was doing, so if she's involved in something bad then I guess it'll show up when people go look if they want to. Okay. Um so I had that and then um The one I saw tonight, which was really good, and I'm going to go and look at it again later, was Sean Spicer apparently today. He had his press conference, and um, it was uh, he had an exchange with John Carl from ABC about the wiretapping issue. And he, the part that I did see before I came on tonight is um, where he went down through and he listed all of the different reports that came out of the media in like a chronology, so it was a really good one. And and 
and was basically saying, where were you when all this other stuff was going on? How come you didn't have anything to say about these things or whatever? And they're they're continuing to call out the media for their unbalanced or um, uneven coverage of these issues. Um, so some of the comments in here. Spicer blasting the MSM on wiretapping issue for biased coverage. Um, so some people think that President Trump made a false claim about this wiretapping, but the reports were coming in that there was wiretapping done. Um, one of the shows I watched, I can't remember if it was this past Sunday or the previous one, but I think it was this past Sunday, when Clapper said that there was no, no, maybe it was the previous, because I think I talked about it last week, that there was no um, FISA warrant for wiretapping. And um, so even the people that should be in the know are saying different things about this. To me, that means that it probably happened. That's just you know, my guess, because why wouldn't you deny it if you know, or actually deny is a legal term, I think. Why wouldn't you come out and say it never happened if you knew for sure it didn't? or it did happen if you knew for sure it did, unless you have to keep it quiet because it's part of the clandestine intelligence community um, operation, which is entirely possible too. Um, when people try to cover up something, it's more likely that it's true than that it's false, because why would they cover it up otherwise? There's no reason to. So that was a really good one. It was, a, um, it was great seeing the interaction because I like the idea that people don't um, just let people walk all over them, that they stick up for themselves. I think it's very important. I think part of the reason we have the troubles we have now in the United States is because people were kind and, and going about their business and thinking that, you know, the, that people were doing their jobs and that all was okay. We didn't hear anything wrong, so why would we think anything was wrong? And I think we've learned that we need to have um, we need to have um, I'm typing something here to go with my link. We need to have a more um, vigilant society. I think that's the most important thing. We have to have people that are paying attention to what's going on and actually say something instead of just retreating to the corners and and staying out of it. It's hard to do. Today I had to open my mouth again. That's probably why I have a headache. I had to open my mouth again. I had to be angry. I had a person tell me they were going to set down their headset and come back after they had an answer. And and it, I took that to mean, you're abusing me, so I apologized and I said, I'm sorry. I said, you're the person that's on the phone with me. The people that do these things are nameless and faceless and... You know, I'm sorry that you're one of the people who has to listen to people from the public calling. I've been in that position before. It's not fun. But, you know, it is the job, unfortunately. So I might talk about that in a couple of minutes, about that excitement I had today, like usual. All right, so anyway, I gave you the Sean Spicer thing. Um, and let's see what else. It out of my notes so I know what it is later. Oops. It'd help if I could type without making a mistake. 
oh, well, who's grading us, right? We don't have the typing teacher here. <coughs> okay, those are the things that I saved off of national news stories. This week went fast. Usually does, but I had stuff I had to do, I guess, and I got sidetracked either that or I was watching things. I don't really honestly remember what the heck I've been doing this week. Cleaning in my house, finding things. It's like a little time capsule upstairs. James can be proud because I'm getting into the outer bowels of the, I mean, the outer corners of the bowels of of my house, which actually aren't the bowels because they're upstairs. But I'm thinking that some of the stuff that I'm uncovering and also on the top floor of my house that I told you I sold, some of that stuff is 30 years that it was sitting there. When I went back and looked at the actual dates of, of things in the boxes, I think they were from like the 80s. And the 80s, man, time flew, didn't it? The 80s is 37 years, 1980 and 37 years, I believe. So approximately 30 years because I'm giving a little little leeway, like maybe it was the late 80s, I hope. But, I mean, things that were from when my children were home and they were still kids, you know, stuff that was packed up to get it out of the way and pushed into the back of closets. I'm pulling all that stuff out. Um, I joked about before that I had oddball things in my house because I have two of everything ever invented. And it's not quite that bad, but some things I do have two or three of. One thing I have three, actually I think I have four of, if I count my own, clarinets. I have three clarinets that are additional ones. I believe mine is in a bedroom closet, but I haven't come across it yet. But So I have three clarinets one flute, one trombone, and a French horn. That's what I have upstairs, six instruments in my house that nobody's playing and that were were actually bought probably at auctions because I saw them cheap. But I figured, you know, I was working in a school, there'd be some kids that needed musical instruments, and why would I let them sell them so cheap and not get them? The most expensive thing I bought was the French horn, and that was $100 or $110, I think, but a French horn's an expensive instrument. So I don't know what I'm doing with them yet. I think I may sell them as is, just to get the money out of them and let somebody else take them to have them overhauled and you know, given out to people. But think of how much room that takes in a, in a storage area. That's a lot of room, especially the trombone and the French horn, because those are big cases. But anyways, so I'm finding weird stuff. I'm finding like um, old things that I collected that I forgot I even had. This is like what people do when they go in and clean out their grandmother's house or something. It's really funny, and it's also kind of embarrassing in a way because it's taken up a lot of room, and there's nothing really that valuable in it. Just to me, sentimental or whatever. So we're starting to you know, sell some things. One thing we sold on eBay this past week sold for over $300, and we were floored. And it was a sign. I won't say what it was because I'm trying to keep my anonymity as much as possible. But it was just an old sign, metal from like a gas station. And we were just shocked. We had no idea. It was stored over on the at the other house up in the attic. Some, some Something my late husband picked up somewhere, probably in a yard sale or somewhere. And I said, this is kind of cool. So we sold it. And when the bidding started, we were like, holy cow, it's up to like $200. By the time it ended, it was over $300. Like, there could be stuff kicking around in people's houses they don't even know. 
you know, what it's worth. Didn't mean, It wasn't worth a thing to me. If somebody had given me $20 for it, I probably would have thought it was fine, but hey. So researching, that's what I'm doing, some of the stuff I'm researching, whatever I find. Okay, um, this was kind of a weird story from the Bangor Daily News this past week. It was on. Uh, it was published on March 10th. Maine man who stole 1.15, so 1.15 million, dies days before his sentencing. I found that a little interesting. A lot of people dying lately for no apparent reason. It says a 49-year-old Northeast Harbor man who pleaded guilty in 2016 to defrauding investors of at least 1.15 million died in January in Connecticut, just one week before he was due to be sentenced on a federal wire fraud charge. Philip E. Phipps Moriarty II, formerly of Scarborough and originally from Illinois, died January 23 in New Haven, Connecticut, following a long illness, according to his obituary. Um, In January 2014, Moriarty was indicted on six federal counts of wire fraud. Prosecutors alleged that during a 25-year career in financial services, including a stint at J.P. Morgan, Moriarty fraudulently solicited investors in two companies, First Street Capital Partners, LLC, and Teton Acadia Capital Partners, LLC, using false information. He also allegedly gave them phony stock purchase agreements. The I thought of you, Desert Peak, because I knew that you would know about this stuff, how serious this stuff is. Moriarty allegedly used those funds to pay for personal expenses, including a $42,416 payment on a personal credit card, approximately $39,100 to a golf, hunting, and fishing club, and approximately $23,000 to a boarding school in New Hampshire, according to the court documents. Moriarty initially pleaded not guilty, but in February 2016, according to the terms of a plea agreement, he pleaded guilty to a single count of wire fraud, and prosecutors dismissed the remaining five counts. Yeah, I thought this whole thing sounded fishy. That's why I saved it. Moriarty agreed to pay $750,000 in restitution to two investors, both from Illinois, according to Joseph Fitzpatrick, assistant U.S. attorney in Chicago. That jumped out at me, too. Chicago? Come on. It's like the hotbed of corruption other than D.C. and uh, New Hampshire. (laughs) He faced a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. Sentencing was initially set for June 2016, but was postponed at least nine times, according to court documents. At a January 20th hearing, U.S. District Court Judge John Z. Lee in Chicago ordered Moriarty to appear for sentencing on January 30th unless he underwent surgery that week. Following Moriarty's death, Lee on Tuesday ordered that the $750,000 be distributed to the two investors and the case was dismissed, according to court documents. Chicago attorney Anthony Schumann, who represented Moriarty, did not return repeated requests for comment. Fitzpatrick said Thursday that he could not comment further on the case. Moriarty's 10-bedroom, 8,134-square-foot cottage in Northeast Harbor is listed for sale for $5 million by Carter's Real Estate. Amazing how they always seem to have money to buy these nice places. Northeast Harbor is beautiful, by the way. If you ever get to Maine, that's one of my favorite places on uh, Mount Desert is Northeast Harbor. People always talk about Southwest Harbor. They talk about Bar Harbor and all these other places. 
but Northeast Harbor is a very unique-looking place. I just really like it. The way I remember it, very open and rocky. Um, so there's the link to that. Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of information this week. Mostly what I did was I just you know read things and watched things. Um, a lot of it now is almost to the point where I'm not all that interested anymore because the objectives that we had as far as trying to make sure people noticed the corruption and that they were doing something about it, in other words, um, not letting Hillary Clinton get anywhere near the Oval Office and the people that are associated with her, that kind of thing. Um, most of that's been done. And now the the struggles and battles or whatever you want to call them seem to be in the elite realm amongst the people who are above everybody, above the law, at least they think they are, um, out of our sight, um, not really elected officials for the most part. The elected officials are just doing the puppetry for whatever they want done, but they're not the decision makers. Um, and really the only way we can see what's going on is by watching what unfolds and what events unfold and, and trying to surmise from that what's going on because we, we have no way of knowing. We don't have a way to get in and listen in on their conversations as they listen in on ours. We we can't do that. So, you know, what hope do we have unless we, unless we make up our own imagination, from our own imagination what we think is going on and then look for signs of that going on. I know it's not the ideal way to do it, but, you know, you can tell by action sometimes whether or not someone's your friend or not. For sure, for sure. That's how it's been, at least for the people I know. Um, Eight says, Ginger, is Field's sister still in the White House? I don't know. I don't know if she ever was in the White House, but she certainly had people she knew in there. Um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world, that's for sure. All right. Um, I am, as I said, I had a terrible headache today off and on, and it's not too bad right now, but I didn't want to take too long tonight just blabbing because I don't even know if I'm making any sense to people, to tell you the truth, and I don't have a whole lot to talk about. So I guess I'll ask if Desert Pete wants to come in, and um, we can make it an early night. We can see. And I'll just tell you while I'm waiting my little story about my phone call today where I called the bank. It's once again, exciting, exciting how they can not do their job and just blow people off like it's no big deal. This is a big bank I'm talking about. So I've been trying to find out why one of my accounts, which started out being a home equity line and turned into something else because of financial stress where I couldn't pay the bill for three months and they cut it off as a credit line and turned it into something else, which is like a regular mortgage or whatever they did in the background. I didn't sign any further papers, but I have been paying the payments, and it's paying it down because it's not just interest. So um, I saw this amount show up at the beginning of February, and I think I may have mentioned it, and I didn't tell you the exact amount. I believe that's what happened last week. So I still won't tell you the exact amount, but let's just say it, it was an exact amount. It was just a dollar amount with no change. The bank claimed it was 
paid out to pay taxes, back taxes, like tax liens or whatever. But I checked at the city twice to make sure that I was right, that nothing had been paid. And I was right. Nothing had been paid on my behalf. There was nothing in that amount even showing on their system. So I called last week. I called on Friday, I believe it was, and I talked to somebody quite extensively about it um, because they still, you know, their job was to tell me that the reason that it was being billed was because they had had to pay taxes. And I said, but they didn't pay taxes. That's the problem. And it's still showing. I want to know why it's still there and it should be removed because it wasn't paid and I haven't heard anything further from the bank. So they said, well, they're going to do some investigating and I should call in the middle of the next week, which was Wednesday, yesterday. But I didn't call yesterday. I was busy and I forgot. And then I just said, well, it's late in the day. I'm not calling. I'll call tomorrow. So I called today. I got a different person because that's what happens every time I call there. You get a different person. You start over. The person didn't know a thing. They were reading my notes that were on the computer, of course, and still didn't know anything. Nothing had happened. I wasn't really that surprised because it's how it's been at that bank. So I was starting to get a little ticked off again because it was a nice day and I wanted to be outdoors, not sitting on hold, listening to sales pitches on the hold on the hold uh, audio. You know, we have this, we have this, we're great, we won this award, we're like so super, I think you should come in and fill out whatever. And you can also do these things. And I'm like, ah, just get somebody on the phone. So finally, um, they couldn't do anything, so they sent me to the collections department, which is where this would have gone had they actually paid taxes. They would want to collect the money for the taxes. So I said, okay. So I was on wait again, on hold again for a while, and then this person came on and they told me their name, and I couldn't really understand it. And then they asked mine, and I said, could you tell me your name again? And I wrote it down, and I spelled it out, and the whole thing, because I wanted to know. And she's like, uh, I said, because every time I call, I get different people. I just want to know who I'm talking to, so that was fine. So she started in with the same thing. She said, well, it says that the reason that you got that on there is because they paid taxes on your property, and the bank has to do that to protect its interests. And I said, are you kidding? And she just she thought I was saying, are you kidding about that? And she started to talk, and I said, no. I said, I'm asking you if anything has been done, because I was told to call back. They were going to do an investigation, try to find out where this amount showed up from, how it happened. And she says, oh, well, you know, they have to do this, and they have to do that. And I said, so you don't know anything then? She was hemming and hawing about it. I said, I called because I've been trying to get to the bottom of this and you're not telling me anything I don't already know, but the fact of the matter is the bank didn't pay any taxes and I didn't even owe taxes in that amount and it's a weird amount. Something's wrong and you guys are the ones who made the mistake, so you need to fix it. Well, she just was like starting to get all, you know, (laughs) I don't want to talk to you anymore. And (laughs) so that's when she told me, she says, well, ma'am, I'm going to put my headset down and I'm going to send a message to whoever, I don't even know who it was, probably whoever does their systems and somebody up a ways away from her to uh, get them to figure out what was wrong and if there was any information. So I apologized to her. I said, I'm sorry, I'm agitated, but this isn't like the first time you're not the first person. I talk to somebody different every time. I've had other issues before, 
and it's like, I just want you guys to be the bank, and that's it, and I don't think it's that complicated, and, you know, I was just having my usual, my usual I'll give you two minutes kind of speech. And um, when she came back, she said, well, she said, they are going to look into it, you know, they're going to all the same stuff I heard last week. And I said, okay. She said, so, you know, is there anything else, um, you know, like we can let you know? Or I said, what I want you to do is I want you to put it in writing. I said, because I don't want you calling my answering machine and just saying everything's fine now or it just disappears or whatever and I never find out anything. I said, because you guys, to you, it's just a number on a piece of paper. To me, it's a big deal. I said, I've I've been on hold for two to three hours on this. I've been, you know, to City Hall twice about this. I don't understand what's going on, and I want to know the answer to that. And I said, and I would like it in writing, sent to me in the mail. And she said, okay, well, I'll put a note in there that you want to be notified that way. And I said, absolutely. I said, half the time, I don't even get an answer when I call. I said, I have a certified letter that was sent to that bank two years ago, I think. Never got an answer to it. I said, I'm really tired of that. And I <laughs> I realized the entire conversation was recorded because that's what they do. So every time they do that and they tell you, you know, this is an attempt to collect a debt, so we need to blah, 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 blah. Anything we do is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, good. Usually I say, thank God you're recording it instead of that I'm upset. Just thank God. I'm glad you're recording it. I think they play them at their board meetings and laugh, but... That's okay. But anyway, that's my story. I'll let you know how it works out. Here's Desert Pete. Hi, Desert Pete. Yeah, good evening. If, uh, good evening. If there is any good left in the evening or anywhere. but I hope there is. Uh, how are you? Trying to recover from multiple sucker punches here. Uh, yeah. I guess I mentioned on the last show I I turned 66 this month month so I I'm on a new Route 66 here. Yeah. And this this has not been a pleasant month right off the start here. Uh, I know in your case you're you're no longer be going to be a landlord. And I'm out sh- of the landlord business. Yeah, you're yeah. you're shifting your career. Well, I just got out of the clean energy research business because my. Ugh. My lead engineer, who had all the inventions, dropped dead of a heart attack. Hmm. And uh, that's not good. And then I had a double whammy sucker punch when the person who called me to notify me that he was dead was a party I had some ugly dealings with many years ago at severed all business relationship. Yeah. And I found out my engineer was staying at his home and never admitted it to me for the last two years. Well, that's a bad betrayal right there. Uh, You know it. Um, Yeah. So what do you think was going on with that deal? They were stealing stealing uh, ideas or what? as, As I've lamented many times, we... You've been going through severe cash flow issues, and I offered my engineer a sofa to sleep on, but apparently a sofa in Trona is not appealing to anybody. Yeah. And he just got a better offer of a bedroom, and 
in a different location. I don't want to get into details there. So was that person was that person taking advantage of him? Do you think because uh, of the money situation? In other words, spying would, on you both would have. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if this is going to end up in a court case or or what. So I I got to oh, okay. my comments here. Um, I know this engineer had serious heart problems. That's an established fact. So for him to suddenly die of a heart attack, I at this point don't suspect foul play because the uh, the fellow who owned the home that he keeled over dead at had a uh, a financial interest in what this engineer was doing also. So it's not to his benefit of this engineer uh, dying either. So, uh, Unless he has some kind of other thing going on that you didn't know about. Well, just the issue is the the prototypes he had, and the biggest issue is his design computer, which probably didn't have any design stuff on the software, but this other party thinks he did. Uh, I just know the engineer better to know that he didn't bother with CAD. He he lived on pencil drawings. <laughs> CAD was oh. too cumbersome to him, and here I had provided him. Now, now this is a fact that I will allow to be public. I, I provided him his computer and an $8,000 seat of software, of CAD software, and that's licensed to my company, yeah. both, both the computer and the software. And when I, the last I talked to this, we'll, we'll tastefully call him a landlord. I was going to say the jerk. I, I said, uh, I need to get back my company prop, property. And he blatantly yeah. refused. And his last words were, possession is nine-tenths of the law, and he hung up on me. Oh, I'd get the police right over there. Well, that's a, that's a blatant probably doing decla- stuff to it right now. That That's a blatant declaration of, of theft. But uh, Especially if he's not related to him. He has no, he has no claim to anything that he had in his home. Uh-huh. This is where it gets even more complicated. The fellow had one surviving brother who was known to be a felon and a drug dealer. And that person has allegedly signed off all of this engineer's property to this landlord in exchange for past rent or something. That's very fishy, isn't it? Uh, Sure is. Well, uh, he can't have the software because it's yours. Well, right? I'm simply going to... Or gonna half con- yours, one or the other. Yeah, uh, I'm simply going to file that as uh, a stolen computer, so if, if the serial number ever shows up in a pawn shop, uh, somebody's in serious trouble. And the same thing with the serial number on the software. The manufacturer of that software will be notified that the computer it was rightfully installed on has been stolen. So if any designs show up that have that... Uh, software's serial number hidden in the code, uh, it'll be obvious what computer they're using. So all this spooky backdoor stuff that that software companies have occasionally against the good guys actually comes to our benefit at times like this. So nobody can design anything with that software without that code being embedded in it. it. Yeah. So uh, uh, that would be proof that it was done on a, on a stolen computer. So anyway, I'm having to deal with this, and now I'm 
took me all day just to go back and find serial numbers on two of the three computers I gave him, but now there's a third computer I, I gave him a long time ago that really needs to be accounted for. It's uh, no doubt totally obsolete, and any valuable information that may have been on it is, is long since been safely removed and, and moved on elsewhere. But the fact is, he had this third computer that I'd just like to know where it's at. So. Well, and not only that, but the fact is that if this guy was involved earlier on, then he had an interest in stealing it. You know, if you had previous uh, relationships yeah. in that yeah. realm, it's like, but well, you know, they, he probably figures you aren't going to come and sue him. Going going a little further back, as I started combing through old files this week, I, I stumbled upon. Uh, telephone records. At one time, we were providing the cell phone for this engineer, which meant our company got printed copies of all of its activity. I was just curious, now that I have the phone number of this landlord, again, we'll use tactful language here. Yeah. Uh, I scan through the list and I see he's been talking to him for several years. And never yep, told that's me. a betrayal right there. Yeah. So, nice. uh, while he's smiling in your face, he's doing that. Yeah. Uh, nice, nice. Th- this this really hurts because. Uh, I imagine. Well, I really thought he was a friend. I helped him through some hard times. Uh, Thanks. Poor guy lost his parents not long ago, and. Few years before I met him, he lost his wife to a drunk, a drunk driver uh, accident, and uh, I mean she was sober, but a drunk hit her. Uh, Awful. I think she was riding in a convertible, and the drunk hit her so hard he rolled it. I don't know how many times. So uh, anyway, Awful. he got the tragic news of losing his wife that way. So uh, I I I don't know. I'm just trying to pick up the pieces. But the point is, uh, I've I've simply cleaned off my business website, and it makes no reference to any of the technologies he was working on anymore. Uh, no. Obviously, nothing is is near completion, and I won't have anything to do with with it. Um, so I'm moving on, and uh, my my other friends uh, really want to join me in gold prospecting. So that may be my my next. Uh, <laughs> Next business endeavor out here is uh, is getting. What back. a way to find out, though. I know it was. Uh, you must have been like shocked when that guy called you. Like. Well, I was. Why are you calling me out of the blue? Awful, awful, awful. Well, he he just opens up saying, "Well, I think I mentioned on the last show that when this engineer had not, he was calling me every couple of nights with." for small talk and whatnot. I, I've known him for 14 years. So he had a lot of just personal back backgrounds yeah. to shoot the breeze over. Mm-hmm. And then he stopped calling and didn't reply to text or or uh, or phone message. So I did have the address of where he was staying, and he only told me a first name of his landlord. So I addressed it to this engineer's name or this other first name. Well, there was never anybody by that other first name. That was a fraudulent name. Oh. And then I this voice 
calls me, and I'm suddenly thinking, I think I recognize that voice. And it was him. And I said, your voice sounds familiar. And he says, oh, I don't think we've ever met. And I go, and then I mentioned another inventor that was the key thing he and I were doing business about at that time. He goes, oh, no, are you the, and then he he listed my name. Hmm. I said, you know it. You see my name on that piece of paper you're holding. And uh, So you think he was lying or he really didn't remember at first? Uh, this, it's been several years. This guy is such a, the other word I should use here tactfully, uh, operator, we'll put it that way. He's got his, his fingers in so many yeah. people's different pies. Uh, he may have forgotten me as, forgotten me as being one of the people he almost ripped, he almost ripped off many years ago. And, uh, eventually, and well, when he realized he couldn't, steal anything from me then he severed relationship and I then found out from other sources that he had a reputation of that and I was thinking well good riddance but uh, he had already met my engineer at that point and apparently he snuck in and tried to make a better offer and that's what happened and I tell you when when cash flow gets tight people get desperate and as to who they're going to do do business with and yeah, but to move have, in with them, that's kind of weird. That that uh, may have been, well, when when you lose your house, I tell you, sleeping on the street is nothing nothing to want to do. But, I mean, was he, hi- was he actively hiding that from you? Definitely. So this guy had access to everything you guys worked on, every single thing. And sadly, it's all in his possession now. Yeah. Even... Personal Something's notes. really wrong with that picture. I'll tell you. I get that. My intuition's going off like a hundred miles. You know. Yeah. Well, and again, it's just all been kept from me blind. And here, here's the other bizarre thing. Uh, he and I had this. Well, I think I'd made mention uh, several months ago that I went on a, an expedition out toward the coast. Uh, for for prospecting, well, that was with yeah. my engineer, and he had me pick him up at that address. This other fellow was not home at the time, so apparently he arranged my arrival time when he knew the other person was going to be gone. Because if I had ever seen that guy's face, yeah, sparks would have flown. Huh. Uh, Did you ever all three work together? Yeah, th- this was many years ago, and it was in the course so, of that that activity that, yeah, I realized something's going wrong here, and somebody's trying to nose his way into taking everything from me, and and I didn't have to confront thinking. him. He suddenly confronted me and said, uh, so-and-so, I, I, I don't want to do business with your company anymore, and I want out of the picture, and I go, fine. Uh, if, if that's your decision, good riddance. And uh, I didn't say good riddance to him, but I was trying so to. So he decided to leave, and then and then. Uh, yeah. Do and underhanded then, stuff. Then immediately tried to circumvent me. So. Um, uh, I uh, am not pleased with the engineer doing such a thing to me, but. 
uh, what can I say? He never delivered a working product into my company's possession. So any offer we ever made to him is null and void. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't own any part of my company. He never delivered on anything. So uh, anyway, that, that's just ugly history that uh, I had to go through here this week. And uh, and it's not a pretty picture to uh, to have to encounter. What a way to find out, though. Holy cow, you can't even say anything to him because he's dead already. Uh, exactly. Uh, so is there going to be a funeral? Are you sure he's dead? Uh, I intend to write the county and request a death certificate and stating that... Because they might be lying, lying about it. ...that this individual had uh, had been doing business with my company and... Uh, I need to confirm his uh, his departure. Um, It'd be a public record. Yeah. Was he a partner of yours or just working with you? Just working with. I think you should know by yeah. now. I do everything as a corporation, so there's no such thing as. Yeah. A well, I wondered if. Well, I meant like, is he a partner with you? Is he like an employee? Is he? Um, he an was offered. Or? potentially a certain amount of stock if he was to yeah. deliver X, Y, or Z. He never delivered X, Y, or Z. Consequently, he owns nothing. Okay. Owned nothing as of his passing. I would hope the heck that isn't what his intention was the entire time, was that you would never get anything. In other words, to just stonewall you so you'd get, you know, frustrated and give up or whatever. Yeah. Well, if any of his inventions had any merit, the the next issue here, uh, the missing link to make any of them work just went to the grave with him. Yeah. And that's what I don't think this landlord understands. Uh, I've, I've talked in the past about that, that great motor design. Uh, that great motor design had, had three crucial components. I'm, I'm fairly aware of two of them. He did explain two of those components quite well to me to where I might actually be able to duplicate it. The third, he never mentioned, ever. Uh, so without that third component, that motor will never do what it's claimed to do. And you didn't, did you or he have any patents on anything? No. No. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry about it. I yeah. mean, it's awful to find out something like that especially when you can't even confront the person about it. I, I know. Um, Horrible. Well, I had sort of confronted him several times, saying his name to his face on on the phone, that I said, you know, you haven't delivered anything to me. I said, if anything ever happens to you, I'm left with absolutely nothing. Yeah. And all I got from him was, yeah, he was working on it, trying to get this documentation or that, which never happened. Yeah. Uh, was he an older guy, or was he young? No, this is the well. Now, now this is where what the landlord told me before he recognized who he was talking to. He said, "Well, we found forty empty vodka bottles in his closet. We didn't know he was drinking so heavy." Holy crap! And I never knew him as having a drinking problem. Not my except, with one exception. The last time we had dinner together, he ordered a Long Island iced tea, which he had never done before. 
I mean, going back to the days that he did have a good personal income and we'd go to a steakhouse, it was always iced teas or lemonades or whatever, the same kind of soft drinks I was drinking, and he never drank any alcohol in front of me then. But the last time we had dinner, he orders a Long Island iced tea. And at the time, I was the guy driving on that trip. So I thought, eh, no big deal. I some people like the flavor of it, and we'll just write it off as that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this landlord uh, claimed that his closet was full of, uh, of empty vodka bottles. And he also made the comment that, well, he'd been really depressed lately, and he was only eating two things, meat and, and uh and milk, and that's not a balanced diet. And he, he had already, his first heart attack was back in 2012 when he was 48 years old, and so now he drops dead at age 53. And apparently drinking heavily at now at age 53, which he was certainly not, and good grief, going back to, he lost his wife to a drunk driver, so I thought that would have turned anybody off from alcohol. Hard to say. Oh. Uh, that's just, man, that's really hard. Now, the, so you're going to change and you're going to do something different now. Well, possibly gold prospecting. But just the last comment on this guy is, oh, sure. uh, again, the, the, the reason I met him and had, gave him so much respect was he had worked uh, i got to be careful in some details here uh, he had worked in very exotic microwave technologies for like 17 years wow and really understood it but in the course of that work I'm thinking back he had been exposed to more than one accidental exposure to high level microwave so he'd been cooked. He had been cooked, and I'm thinking back. Yeah. They ha that might have been the cause of his first heart attack at age 48. How many 48 year old, pe old people do you know that have heart attacks? My husband. Actually, really? I'm yep. not trying to be funny, but when you said that, I was like, "Holy cow!" I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut when people are trying to talk about things that have happened to them, and I was trying to practice it. So I didn't well, interrupt you. But, yes, my husband was 48 when he had his heart attack, and it was unexpected, and he had bypass surgery and almost died after the bypass surgery from an infection and then came out of that and lived five more years and died when he was 53. I'm not kidding. How weird is that? Oh, no. Those were the exact now, ages you just said. Now, I know your dad worked with radio. Did your husband? No. My husband was... Um, Diabetic is why I believe he was so oh. ill, young, because okay. he was diabetic and didn't want to didn't want to um, admit to it for a while. He was um, raised in a family that was Christian Scientists, so they didn't go oh. to doctors. And he he didn't he wasn't really practicing as a Christian Scientist, but he had those beliefs. He had them very strongly that people you know, just needed to toughen up or whatever. They didn't need to go to the doctors for every little thing and all this. Yeah. And so when his blood sugar was high, at first he just said, so my blood sugar's high, so what? Well, by the time he was sick from it, like getting, you know, sores that wouldn't heal and stuff like that, 
he was offended when the doctor says to him, the reason you've got this big thing on your foot is because you've got diabetes. And he was like, what? You know, he didn't like it. But he had to start treating for it, taking insulin and stuff. Oh. And, and he, what he did was, when he had the heart attack, they were saying that, you know, part of it was the buildup and plaque and all that stuff in the blood vessels. So it was probably the reason he had a heart attack was because he had diabetes that was not under good control. So anyway, and then he died of a brain tumor. So he got a brain tumor in that five years. And that was probably from, I believe, from the aspartame. I think that causes brain tumors in some people. Yeah, yeah. And... And he was he was having an excessive amount of that stuff because he wasn't having sugar. He was having artificial sweeteners and everything. And he craved it because that's one of the things that happens with diabetics is they crave sweets. You're, you're jogging my mind on, on three different topics here. A, a, quick oh, jump back to, a quick jump back to last week where I, I found a soft drink company that uses real sugar that their their, their yep. mainline product is called Death Valley Root Beer, and I, yep. I picked up a bottle of their their Death Valley Cream Soda and their Death Valley Root Beer. Well, I had only tasted the cream soda as of last week, but last night I tried their root beer. That is the best root beer I can find anywhere. It has replicated the taste of A and W circa 1957. Oh my God! This is what we tasted in the A and W drive-ins back in the late fifties. Yeah, this taste is fantastic, and yes, it does use real cane sugar. I think that's the main reason why, but they're also using other natural ingredients in it. So, anyway, that's just another topic to to come back on someday. Uh, well, I have to I have to add to that because I you reminded me of something, and I actually smiled because I was like, yeah. I forgot to get back to you about this, but I just I think that the world is very intriguing, and you know I believe that God sends little messages here and there, and and you have to just marvel at it. And what happened was right after we talked about that last week, my nephew posted online something about that he had um, was on Facebook actually. He said how happy he was because he was ordering this soda that he gets when he's down in the southern part of the United States on trips, and it's something he loves, and he had ordered a 24-pack, and he was so excited that he was waiting for his 24-pack to show up. It it just absolutely floored me. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I didn't say anything to him about it, but I said, um, how, how can they transport that? Because he was talking about that he loves it in the bottles. I'm not kidding you. He says, I like it in the bottles. It's so much better in the bottles. And I was like, how are you doing that? And he says, well, I ordered it on Amazon. Well, apparently you can order things on Amazon like that. And and he showed me, well, wait a minute. Did he say he ordered it on Amazon or was it the thing he showed me, which is how you can ship bottles and not have them break? Or, <laughs> I mean, it was it was yeah. like he'd heard our whole conversation or something. It was really, really funny. But you can buy these styrofoam things, apparently, that you can put bottles in and mail them. And he was showing me that, and he's got a technical mind, so you know, if he had gone in a different direction, he probably would have been an engineer because he's very dry in his humor, and he's just technical as heck. 
it's like you ask him a question and you'll find out 25,000 more things than you ever wanted to know or needed to know, but it's detailed. But he told me all these different things. And and I was going to just like copy and paste it to you because it was like so funny. It was like you could use all this information if you wanted to sell that soda just to yeah. distribute it. Just tack on something on the price. I don't understand how though that somebody if they say bought it from a place like a an outlet online, say if it is on Amazon, which I'm not sure, if he was talking about the soda or the box that you could mail stuff in. Um but how would it how could they make any money on it? Because if you ordered directly from the company itself, it seems like it would be you know well, you still have yes. to pay all the other stuff to go with it. I don't see how you could get enough ahead of it to be able to make a profit on it so that you could run a business of doing it. But. Being a teetotaler, I never buy celebration champagne, but some people do. And how much is a bottle of good champagne? I've never priced it. I have some sitting on a counter because people give you stuff sometimes yeah. and I just look I just keep it as a gift but I don't open it. I have stuff here that I have never opened. Well um, I I've frequently heard of, of vintage wines and whatever being fifty hundred dollars a bottle and up. Yeah. Well you just have to look at in this case Death Valley Root Beer is a special occasion celebration drink. It's nothing you yeah. you swig down every night. Uh yeah. So I think it could probably be repackaged and sold at a very high dollar value, enough to cover the the exorbitant shipping cost of shipping liquid and glass. Uh, but it is a special taste that, man, everybody here on the show tonight needs to taste it somehow or another. Come on out to Death yeah. Valley and just buy it right at the at the plant. It's on Route 14, uh, east of Ridgecrest, uh, is is where the plant's at, and they have a restaurant there, so you can. You can get it on, on fresh draft, I guess, or, or buy a bottle there. But well, see, shipping, maybe you could get the styrofoam boxes to put it in and just pack it in there and then sell it that way. I don't know. Well, but the soda my nephew likes is called Cheer Wine, and it's not wine. It's a soda, but it's an old-fashioned okay. soda, and I believe it's from southeastern United States. I think it's from maybe the Carolinas. Yeah. Well, I, I have found websites that specialize in exotic sodas, and they oh. they offer it shipped, and, yeah, it's expensive. So it's just kind of a special occasion for your birthday. You, you drink some 1955 uh, A&W root beer uh, flavor is yeah, what really. I, would, I would call this. Uh, well, and the but, thing is, the whole idea is it's not really the the item as much as it is that it's unique and that you could be the distributor or a yeah. distributor to make a profit so that you could make some money. But I yeah. don't know. I mean, it could be anything. Like, you know, we have things in Maine, too, that are unique to Maine, and I always say that. You know, it, there are businesses actually in Maine that sell Maine products out to the other parts of the country, people well, that miss them. But Yeah, as as we were brainstorming ideas on how to market it last week, I, I, I've come up with a couple of others. Uh I mentioned you can adopt either burros or Mustang horses out here. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe we could come up with a root beer delivery cart with a team of Mustangs for rush delivery. Yeah, uh, right. And our slogan would be, uh, if Bud Light was really light, why do they need Clydesdales? 
That's true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. We have real sugar, and we deliver ours with Mustangs. So <laughs> I think that could be our marketing pitch. Uh, yeah. Something else, I, I got on Google Earth and took a look at where their um, their bottling plant is, and there is a straight road, dirt road, from their bottling plant. Now, you have to cross the 14 freeway, but on the other side is a dirt road that goes straight over to the end of a nearby airport. So if Field gets his private jet, that could be our TV commercial, is we have a team of Mustangs <laughs> delivering it down this old Wild West dirt road, and it pulls up to a oh. private jet. <laughs> yeah, flying it out right now. I think that would be as hilarious. As we speak, it's being, it's being shipped out as we speak. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and uh, uh, our... Uh, our root beer is uh, is lighter than any of the light beers. We we don't need no uh, uh, no freaking Clydesdales to uh, to haul this stuff. So, <laughs> yep. Believe it or that. Uh, I, I I was trying to think of how to word it, and I didn't want to insult the uh, the breed of Clydesdale horses because I I actually respect that breed of, of horse. But uh, uh, and Mustangs, having seen one up close is really a small horse compared to a Clydesdale. A Clydesdale is like another two or three feet taller. They're big. Uh, I think their home I think their home ranch or ranch or farm or whatever it was, weren't they in New England? It seems to me they were in New Hampshire. Oh the Clydesdale. I Because I, I think know. people could go there and see them. It's been a long I've, time. I haven't really thought about them that much but I've seen some videos of farming in Slovenia, so I think it's an Eastern European horse, and it's going back ancient history. Obviously, they got brought over here, uh, but uh, but people use them for farming in in Slovenia, or did at one time. Oh wow! And migracious horsepower like that, you could definitely pull a pretty deep plow. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, if if we could uh, design a uh, maybe a comical looking uh, uh, root beer wagon uh, and just have it pulled by a team of, of four or six uh, Mustangs or maybe just two, I don't know what we'd need. I don't know anything about horses, so I just just need to find somebody who understands horses and carts and uh, how, how to rig them up. Uh, I think I told you I met the fellow who was the son of the fellow who drove the 20 Mule Team Borax commercial ads uh, way back in the yeah. 50s. So his dad knew how to do that, but that was way back then. Whether his son learned anything, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, the, jumping that. Now, you brought up diabetes. That was another topic I wanted to mention. Uh, I got a hold of some medical stuff and learned something unique about that. If, if there's anybody listening with a diabetes issue, I learned something that has not been mentioned in, in medical journals much. Anybody who gets gastric bypass surgery suddenly loses their diabetes problem. And further research as to why that happens is diabetes appears to be a fat buildup around the pancreas. And according to this literature I was reading, the challenge is to come up with a diet 
that gradually dissolves that fat away from the pancreas so it can start acting like it's supposed to. So uh, according to this one thing that I was reading, that appears to be the 100% solution to diabetes. And people no longer have to go through amputation and all the other bizarre stuff that you deal with and insulin shots and, and you name it. So that is a curable disease. Uh, and nobody wants to go out and get gastric bypass surgery. That's that's a bizarre action also. Uh, but... Uh, and just what that diet is, that, that's another long story, and I guess you got to buy the guy's $40 book to, to know what the diet is. Yeah, really. Well, when but. he had that, we had to go to classes and stuff so that he could learn what he was supposed to eat and things like that, and we were pretty good about most of it. Um, but I remember them talking at the time about how you could have, because they were trying to figure out what causes it to be triggered, because it can be in families, the tendency, but not everybody gets it, and they were trying to figure out what triggered it. And at least at that time, this would have been in the 90s, late 90s, um, the triggering of diabetes supposedly was um, obesity. When people started to gain a lot of weight, then the body would just say, I can't, you know, I can't, I can't deal with all this because it's just too much. And it, you know, that would go along with it too. It's just the fact that you have, you know, you have a malfunctioning system. If you stay thin, you don't develop it. If you get fat, you will. So I don't think most people get diabetes when they're thin. But who knows? It's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg? He yeah. spent a lot of his time around food because he was working as a caterer, remember? He was a he was an airline caterer. So he was around food all day long. Mm. And he ate food all day long if he was testing stuff or thought it smelled yeah. good or whatever he ate. And he was, you know, he wasn't a really fat person, like, growing up or anything. He worked and stuff, so he was busy all the time. And, his, you know, he was actually extremely active because he worked on a dairy farm when he was 10 until adulthood. And then, um, so it was, you know, it was one of those things where you, you know, you're, you have changes in your life and you do things differently or whatever, and he didn't, he didn't know anything would be wrong. I think his mother probably had diabetes but didn't treat it. She had strokes and died young. She was like, I think she was 60, 58 or 60, something like that when she died. She'd had several strokes. Um, but it was just, you know, they didn't they didn't go out and find out what was wrong. They just didn't believe in going to doctors for anything. They didn't even take uh, aspirin for headaches. They didn't do anything like that, that family. Well, getting back so to the, the only way they'd go to a doctor is if they had an injury. This is suspiciously coincidental that your husband had a first heart attack at age 48 and then died at 53. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I've known a lot of people who had heart attacks at 48. It seems to be almost like a magic number. Sorry if anybody's listening that's 48, but... I'd heard that many times around the time he had his, because everybody was saying, gosh, he's so young. But he had a lot of friends, and we knew a lot of people around that time that were having heart attacks. So it's like, what the heck? They said 48 seems to be around the time they have them. And I uh, don't know why, if that's just, you know, a stage of development and, you know, maybe enough time after someone is mature, as a mature man or whatever, that so many years pass and that's when the, time frame is that's the most risky 
because it was like if you don't have a heart attack around that age, then you probably won't have a heart attack. In other words, it's like when it happens, if you're going to have it. I do know that they said that if he had another heart attack, he wouldn't be able to have another surgery because they used all of his blood vessels that they needed. Um, they take your blood vessels from inside your leg. And the only reason that he was alive, they said, was because he wasn't a smoker because his blood vessels were in really good condition considering how many of them they needed, how much length they needed or whatever. But they said, he, you know, a smoker, usually they don't get good blood vessels for the bypass surgery. So. C. Vellam says she lost her brother at age 46 to a heart attack. Yeah, they said, I mean, it was it was really weird because we thought, well, that's odd because now we knew, you know, I think it was the year 2000. We had uh, like two or three friends that died of heart attacks and they were all near the same age. It was just, it was really eerie. So I'm not sure, but... Well, now this engineer's family had a history of diabetes. Uh, his older brother went through, uh, uh, well, double a- uh, leg amputation, and his mother suffered uh, diabetes, and gangrene set in on her foot, and that's why he developed that uh, that gangrene-stopping technology. Hmm. Uh it, it stopped the gangrene on her foot. Uh, she did pass away, I guess, three, five years later from other causes, but at least he stopped the gangrene. But now in 2020 hindsight, we, we just don't know if, if that unit that he invented caused other issues. So I, I just don't know. Uh, it's kind of why I want to just wash my hands of it. That uh, I, I still, to this day, have no idea what the side effects are. I just know that whenever he came down with anything from a uh, upset stomach to a uh, set of sniffles, he would be using this unit on himself, and now he collapses of a heart attack, and I'm just wondering, was that affecting your heart or not? And I don't know. So uh, that that's why I'm not going to go to any effort to... Uh, to either get the prototypes or even get the technology. I I just want to wash my hands of it and move on. Uh, but yes, he did have a, a family history of diabetes, and that may have been a contributing factor, especially to the to the two age brackets of uh, of, of the heart attack hitting him. Uh, not yeah. a pleasant topic to go over, but uh, as we get older, no, it remind well, it reminds people of how short life is and how how fast it can just be taken. I mean, literally. My well, husband went exactly. to work that Monday morning and I went to work that Monday morning and we didn't know anything was wrong the day that he had the heart attack. We didn't know anything was wrong. I knew he wasn't feeling particularly good because he never really did. He felt kind of off a lot of times, but he was a hard worker, so he just was going to go work anyway. And he'd been carrying bundles of shingles to a roof that's what he'd been doing that morning. So he was stressing his heart anyway. And the day before, they had stripped a roof. And this was hard work for him. I mean, he was at that point, he was doing contracting work. But he was teaching his partner, sidekick or whatever, it was a woman that was strong like a man, 
he was teaching her how to do a roof, and it was her first roof she ever did. So he's over at the hospital having a heart attack, telling her she needs to go get that roof covered because it's going to rain and everything else, and that he needs to get he needs to get out of the hospital so he can go over there and help her. And we're saying you can't leave because you're having a heart attack. And he goes, well, I have to. We can't just leave the roof uncovered. It was it was really a weird day, a completely weird day. I had driven up. I worked like 40 minutes drive away. So I, when I got a call, panicked call from his partner, I came as fast as I could, but it was just a horrible drive, as you can imagine, because I didn't know if I was going to see him alive. And they'd given him a drug to, you know, try to stop the heart attack, which is something they do. And he was still having it. He was having it when I got there still. And he was talking about leaving. They're like, you're not going anywhere. And he goes, well, I need to. I got stuff I need to do. He was a very responsible person. But, you know, it wasn't funny then. It's yeah. it's kind of funny now because time has passed. But she was hysterical. His partner was hysterical. They thought it was his wife because she was so hysterical. And here I show up, and I've had time to think about it, and I'm concerned and upset, but I wasn't hysterical. So they were telling her everything about what was wrong with them and what they were going to do and everything, and she points at me and says, that's his wife right there. Oh, it was something else. It was really something else. And he didn't, you know, he didn't, uh, he just couldn't really accept anything was wrong, but it could have been the drug that he was given to that made him feel like that, like la-la land or whatever. Yeah, well. Yeah. That was my first business partner, died of a heart attack at age 56, but he had enough preliminary problems to know that he had to do something. Unfortunately, he was a Ph.D. himself. Consequently, he worshipped the guys in white coats that, oh, you have to have such and such an education to give me any medical advice. And so he went to that crowd and up to the point that uh that he died of the of the heart attack that finally killed him he was on 23 different heart medications that's what the medical industry did to him and talking with his family later we're all convinced it was the medications that killed him not not his diet he was a little overweight he was he was not obese uh so uh yeah, My yeah, husband, the thing that happened to him, too, a few times because of the diabetes was ex- was high, what do you call it, not high, um, I was going to say highly moving, fast-moving infection. James, can I see your message about drinking water? I've been doing that. I know that that affects me, too. I drink a lot of water, and it does help my headache. My headache's going away, actually, right now. I, I just have drinking to stress water. Filtered water with with just a pinch of sea salt, but uh... I had a lot of salt for supper because I ate pizza tonight. I was really craving it. I hadn't had pizza in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to stay off the bread and the wheat and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, man, I gotta have pizza today because I was so wound up after talking to the bank today. I could barely stand still. I was just like, ah. I actually said to where I go, you know, I'm usually. But okay about stuff, but I said this isn't the first time. It's not even the only time. I said I'm extremely frustrated, and that's why I sound like I do. They just don't. They don't take things seriously, and to me, they should. You know, if I was running the bank, it would be totally different. Maybe they should put me in charge, right? <laughs> but just uh, I 
get tired of it. I get tired of it because it's like exhausting. Move to the Caribbean where regulations are light and start your own bank. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah, really. I mean, how hard is it to look at a computer? Like I, I said to this lady today, too, I said last, what was it, two weeks ago or something, I said, and the whatever department it was almost screwed up the closing from my real estate closing. I said, and she was like, oh, no, they don't want to talk bad about their bank. I don't blame them. But Jesus, I mean, listen to what people are telling you. I said, this guy swore up and down that it was going to be done the next morning. And I said, it's very important because the following morning is the closing at 10 o'clock. The person needs this amount so they can do the check for everybody. Yep, yep, it'll be done, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I thought it could be done right now. And he said, no, because it's late in the day. And she had, that's what triggered it for me is because she said, well, you know, you realize it's late in the day. And I was like, I called last week. I mean, I was coming unglued, right? I called last week. So late in the day is really not cutting it for me. I want to hear about how it's late in the day, right? Because tomorrow I, if I called, I'm going to get a different person and they're going to start over again. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Yes, I do. Okay. She says, I, we're doing so much better, though. We hired a bunch of new people, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she's just not getting it. <laughs> I, I got to do a flashback to a, an Uda episode from Shucks two or three years ago of uh, back in the 90s. It was a popular thing to do was to start your own bank in one of the Caribbean countries or the South Pacific. And you could actually get a government-issued bank charter for $15,000. Now, it might cost you 100000 to get somebody to manage it uh, and uh, get yourself a small building or something to, to call it a bank. But with with that basic credential... I, I met other brokers that said, okay, you now have the government charter. Now you need to get affiliated with some major bank's network. And at that time, he was setting people up for a song with Barclays. So suddenly, your privately owned bank is an affiliate of Barclays, and you get your own Visa card issued under your bank's name. And you then issue that card to any one of your clients. And you are now, for the basic cost of $15,000, able to start your own bank in in one of these Caribbean countries. That was amazing. So, like, for less than $100,000, you could have an operational bank. Uh, And do lending and savings and whatever on your own terms. You set it up. Barclays didn't interfere that much. They they just lend you use of their name and access to their banking network, which meant that if you had your own Visa card, an affiliate of Barclays under your bank's name, you can go anywhere in the world and use that card. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was a phenomenal thing. But uh, things have changed over time, and and they're they're not that cheap. I just remember that at the time that you could get a bank charter in one of these Caribbean countries for 15000 the cheapest price I saw an American bank change hands for was $25 million. Uh, the Federal Reserve keeps its thumb pressed down so hard on all American banks. 
uh, that somebody really has to profit if if all you're doing is just swapping the bank charter. Uh, yes, yeah, 25 million just to do that. So the thought of starting your own bank here in the U.S. that that's only for the uh, people with, no, with with more money than they know what to do with. But it was possible in both the South Pacific and a few Caribbean countries to to get banking started cheap. So anyway, it's just a commentary on your comment of you ought to start a bank, start your own bank. Well, you you could have back in the nineties. <laughs> yep, comes the fire department. They're going past my house. I just thought I'd let you know in case you heard it. I was going to say, t- take a sniff, make sure it's not the other other room of the house. So. No, it's not my house. And thankfully, the house that's down the street that I used to own and rent out, a, um, it was a duplex, so I rented out two sides of the house. I would sit here and hold my breath when I'd see them coming because I could see them coming from a couple blocks away and then just hold my breath while they kept going past. And... Occasionally it would stop, and I'd go, uh-oh, and I'd go look out the window. Yeah. Usually when it was down there, though, it was because the person that was there that was elderly had called the ambulance or something, but I would just hold my breath like, oh, no, should I look or not? Yeah. Um, I really i am so burnt out on all this stuff that the last thing on earth I'd want to do is ever get involved in any financial <laughs> well, dealings or anything. I mean, it's really, it's crazy the point that we are at now. Here we are, we're at a retirement age, many of us in here, and we've worked our whole life, we've worked hard our whole life. Some of us have had businesses, and I know that there's people in the chat right now who have had businesses and been successful. You were successful in what you were doing, and so was I. We had various things in our life we didn't think we had to worry about every little detail of life because we were doing okay and just had the rug pulled out from under us. And, you know, it's so common that you can't help but think that there is a system that's doing that. And, you know, when I try to talk to people about this stuff and if they're doing well, they think that I'm just paranoid about it, that I sort of made it up or whatever, I must have done something. And I'm telling them, no, I don't believe that's the case. And everybody that I know that's younger, that has money or is successful, business person, I tell them, you need to watch who's watching you because somebody's watching your money. They're watching you build that pot of money up and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get it from you. Mm-hmm. And they they can't hear it. They just don't believe it. They You know, when you're in the, when you're in the uh, successful part of your life, you just can't believe that it could be possible. I was like that myself. You know, I, I said, it really stinks how some of the people are having to, you know, deal with all this stuff. I'm glad that I'm safe. I'm glad that I'm secure, and I felt I was. Because who, I mean, when you when you think back to what my husband and I were doing for work, you know, he had a job that was so specialized that, I mean, how many people do you know that were running airline catering operations? It was that a multi-million dollar operation. It's so specialized that who are you going to find to come in and replace him? And besides, they liked him, so they were always cultivating, you know, keeping him and stuff. And I was working in a school. Who would think you're going to ever need to downsize schools? Or, you know, what they did in Maine, they consolidated school districts and stuff, and they were working on it. I didn't get, I wasn't like a casualty of the actual consolidation. What I was was a casualty of right before the consolidation. They were starting to, you know, what I would call throwing off ballast off of the hot air balloon. You know, you figure you've got to get rid of the ones you can get rid of easily first and see if you can save it. And, you know, they 
because they didn't really know education, these people that were running the schools that I worked for, you know, the school that I worked for, um, these people were more uh, sports coach type people than they were education, you know, uh, administrators. They had the job, but they weren't really... I wouldn't say they were not qualified because I think people, I think I could be a school administrator. I don't think you have to have any specialized training, but you have to at least have that professional ethic as far as running a school. You should know something about schools and education. Um, they seem to be more concerned about other things than that. And, you know, to me, I just couldn't understand how anybody would ever downsize their librarian. I mean, it's like, it's like at the bank, would you downsize your your branch manager? You have to have certain people there in order for it to be a school in the first place. Yeah. And so I was really shocked when they came up with that idea. I couldn't even, I couldn't fathom it. And it, I never had that on my radar that I would ever be concerned about working. And so I, you know, it's like a shock. <laughs> and And I mean, I don't know how many people feel that they saw it coming but most of the people I know my age were really got blindsided. So, no. so, you know, even my friends that were working in schools and stuff, most of them retired at the right age and got whatever they were supposed to get for their retirement. But there were people like me that got basically upended at the end of our working life. I could have been working until my retirement age, but in, instead of that, I was out to fend for myself and I just you know I just I'm stunned in a lot of ways at how things you know transpired in the last 10 years or so but when I get when I get my uh, house cleaned out to the point where I can move around in it again I plan to be organizing my stuff more and possibly writing some stuff I'm thinking that's what I want to try to do is write not everybody reads anything anymore, but at least I'll feel like I left my you know, my experience in some type of permanent format where someone could maybe stumble across it and read it. Because, <clears throat> you know, this thing, even though it's been going for over six years now, could be wiped out in an instant with a, some type of, you know, whatever they call that when they talk about wiping out all of the electronic stuff. I forget what it's called. Oh, EMP. Yeah. yeah. See, my headache's doing that to me. Um, so all of the stuff, the whole six years' worth of it could be wiped out in an instant, and it would just be like it never happened. You know, I'm not saying it's full of gems and, and all kinds of things of value, but there are good things in there somewhere. I don't know where they are, though, because it's so much time well, just blabbing, but... As of this week, 14 years, the last 14 years of my life have been wiped out with somebody getting a heart attack. Yeah, and, really. Uh, and never delivering anything. So, yeah, abrupt changes. Yeah, and you can't even be sure it was natural. Because you had this other guy there that may have had an ulterior motive. That's another issue. you have issue. no way of even knowing that. He would not have benefited with this engineer dead because like I say there are missing links on all three of those technologies that I highly doubt this individual could figure out and even Unless if he has he was the working computer, with them he might have it if he was e working with them 
even with the computer in his possession, I know the engineer was very laxed on getting all documentation down. And even in his private notes, he admitted to me at one time that he makes notes to himself in a code that, that only he knows in his mind. So even if somebody gets a hold of his private bedroom notes, they won't really know what everything means. Because, again, like way too many inventors, whether Tesla or anybody, they took the great ideas to the grave with them. Uh, it's just the way it goes. And it's it's greed of everyone around them. It's not just the inventor. The inventor deserves proper remuneration for his work. I will state that right up front. However, uh, or in addition to that, uh, inv uh, investors have to show some responsibility. And when I had contacted a a wealthy doctor who had shown a little interest in our, our work at some time and I called him, or I emailed him first and let him know that uh, uh, sorry to report the engineer with all the great ideas just died of a heart attack and he never completed everything so I'm going to have to withdraw our company's offer of any pending technologies to you uh, so I said that in the email well, then he calls me in the evening he still wants to get his hands on the prototype. Why? To reverse engineer it. Because he still wants the technology. And I'm thinking, okay, this is the mentality of investors. They want it all to themselves. They want all the profit to themselves. And they really don't give a flip about the life of the inventor. Right. Uh, I've seen that way too often. And uh, I gave him a little Desert Peak kind of lecture while I had him on the phone and I reminded him that yeah I was a stock broker for six years and I was finding stocks of value I did not like most IPOs because they had no substance behind them but I said there was one stock that I was trying to sell in the early 90s and nobody would touch it it was a little software company called Microsoft and everybody I tried to pitch that stock to told me, oh, we've got a zillion computer companies coming out of every garage in the country, and they're just another one on the list, and uh, well, I'm going to take a wait-and-see attitude to see if they have any, any products that last. Well, yeah, how long did they wait? But, uh, yeah, I was a licensed stockbroker. I could have sold everybody as much Microsoft stock as you want back in the early 90s, and nobody rang my phone. Nobody. Uh, nor did anybody return any phone calls when I tried to suggest it to anyone. My gosh. You know, just the stories that we could tell, even if we could do one chapter, we could each do a chapter and put out a book of individual stories. Uh, choose what the theme is. What's the theme of the story? What I used to do and somebody should have listened to me or something like that. If they well, listened to me in 2002 or whatever it is, or in 1984. That's it. Uh, do you ever pay any attention to this uh, web bot guy called Cliff High? I heard the name about four years ago, and I don't think I've heard it since. He's got I don't kind know of if a, yeah, it's kind of a lately. psychology analysis software where he combs numerous chat boards around the planet and he comes up with the general consensus of what direction humanity is going on various topics. 
Yeah. Uh, sometimes he's right, sometimes he's wrong, so he's about as good as a flip of a coin. But he's had so some it's interesting... like trends. Yeah. Doing like trends, right? Exactly. Uh, now, trends research, that's Gerald Salenti, and that's that's a different take. That's Gerald Salenti's own studies that come up with that. But, uh, but yeah. Cliff High occasionally hits something right on the head. Uh, yeah. Well, he was saying the the proverbial expression of what hits the fan uh, starts the middle of March, and that's right when the WikiLeaks Vault 7 came out. And uh, and other things have been going on this week, and I know it's certainly hitting the fan in my life this week. Uh, yeah, I you, would say. Yeah, and well, y- you get out of landlord <laughs> work, so it's it's <laughs> it's hitting all of us from a lot of different directions here. Uh, but uh, I'm uh, trying to figure out how far I should go. I've been thinking about it, how far I should go in in saying something about this, but I feel like I should. And I think I should maybe write to the governor because even the, even if nothing happens, it should be registered somewhere that this put me out of business. This this thing they did put me out of business because it did. I mean, I was really forced to sell the house. I wasn't choosing to sell the house. I I had to choose that at the last minute because there was nothing else I could do. But it forced me out because. I was unable to act, and the reason I was unable to act was because of these, whatever, regulations. You know, like I was saying today, I was joking around about the bank, and I thought, you know, maybe they heard me through the holding um, advertising while I was on hold, but I actually I actually held the phone out away from me, and I said to my boyfriend, this is why Donald Trump is president. Because that's, that's my thing now I'm going to. Uh-huh. This is why Donald Trump is president. You're the reason Donald Trump is president. Because it really ticks people off. But It's the truth. It was regulation. It was somebody putting something into place that didn't exist previously, which benefits them and not me. So, you know, can I prove? can I prove they were acting against me deliberately? No, I can't. But it sure looks it. You know, I had to sell the house for less than half of its assessed value. That was pretty ridiculous. Oh. Yeah. And the reason I couldn't, I mean, it wasn't at, I know it wasn't at its assessed value. I'm not stupid, you know. I do realize that it had issues because of the fact that I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't get money that I was supposed to be able to get because when you have rentals, you have to rent them. But... Yeah. It would have been back to his assessed value, and it would have been beyond its assessed value at some point because I would have finally been back on my feet. But no, I was not allowed to get there. So I think the governor needs to know that. Well, yeah. you, know, he, you know, he has some some stature where it comes to regulation with utilities, I would think. We need to drain swamps wherever we find them. Uh yeah. And and deal with the alligators that we encounter as as we drain it. Uh, California, well, I, I don't even want to talk about California tonight. Jerry Brown is a, a Jesuit trained monster, and uh, he's sabotaging every aspect of the state's business. It's real estate, everything. Somebody needs to bring him under control, and I don't know where to start. Uh. 
um, so yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it's the time to let somebody else deal with some of this. Yeah, but you know, the younger like, people don't even know there's anything wrong. I mean, you think about it. They think that anybody who's complaining has an issue, because why would you bother to complain? It's like everything is fine, and in their view, everything's fine. Well, I, I got to get back. Well, they, yeah. I got to get back to this this Cliff High's uh, prognostication yeah. of uh, what's expected to happen here in 2017, and this next item really perked up my ears. Uh, he feels that somewhere along the year, I I forget what part of the year, uh, the Rothschilds are going to lose control of the precious metal market, and when that happens, uh. Gold breaks over four thousand an ounce, and even silver breaks six hundred dollars an ounce. If that comes to fruition, what is Desert Pete doing sitting here on the phone? I should be up in the hills swinging a pickaxe. Yeah. Because uh, I especially I have, if you know there's something up there. Yeah, and and know that it's a location that. That some proper owner is not going to come out of the out from behind a rock with a shotgun after me. That's the other issue with any kind of prospecting out here. Uh, but uh, so anyway, the, given that fact, that's that's why this other new friend I made over in Nevada wants to join me on some some prospecting expeditions. So uh, th- that may develop in, in the near future. Here we'll see. That'd be good. Uh, anything, anything would be good at this point. Yeah. Just a new positive direction. Yeah, uh, but when when precious metals explode like that, there is going to be a certain amount of inflation. That's for sure. And government is probably going to pull another Roosevelt stunt and start confiscating gold too. Is the other issue that could happen? We don't know on that. Uh, They're not getting my crowns. <laughs> I have crowns, gold crowns. Yeah, one of the. Uh, I don't smile real big. I don't want people to see them and think this is a good place to get some gold. One of the, one of the guys in chat tonight, I forgot, had a, had a comment of, uh, he if he found that much gold, he'd, he'd take all his teeth out and have have fake teeth. <laughs> he'd have gold dentures. So. <laughs> I thought about pulling out my crowns and using them to fix my broken teeth. I was like, you know, if they took those out, maybe there'd be enough money to fix my broken teeth. So. I know it's not healthy to have broken teeth. It's not a good thing. Well, it's funny to talk about. I just don't like the looks of gold in the mouth. It just looks out of place. I I, I like seeing teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Well, these wish. are these are molars, so they're the grinders. Uh-huh. They're on uh-huh. the bottom. And yeah. when I broke yeah. one and went to the dentist, he at the time, my dentist that I believe has passed away, I know he couldn't practice anymore. He got really sick and couldn't do it. So I think he has since died, but he was just a really good dentist. I liked him so much and respected him. But anyway, when I was in there to have my tooth fixed, he said we can put gold, we can put gold crowns on, or we can put um, like an enamel type crown, which looks like a you know like a normal tooth. Right. But he said right. I don't guarantee those out past the front steps or whatever because I guess they can break or they can. Mm-hmm. Um, not look that good. And I said, well, since I think they said that they're, 
coated or something and that there's still gold underneath or something. I don't remember, but there was something about the hardness of it that mattered because he says you're biting on it hard because that's your molar. Yeah. yeah. And and I said, well, they don't really show anyway because they're not in the front. So go ahead and do it. So he did. And then I think the next year I had the one break on the other side, the same one, I think. And so I had it done again. And he says to me, he gets he got them both from the same place, which was somebody down in Florida that makes them that supposedly was really good at it. And he says to me, he says, look at that, it's beautiful. So he puts it in there and he says, that is so beautiful. That, that guy does such a good job. And I said, well, awesome. So when I had gone back in for, you know, to see him to my appointments and stuff, I said, I don't understand. I said, doctor, what's his name? I said, I don't understand, Dr. So-and-so, Dr. M., why you tell me that these are so beautiful and he says and I, when i <laughs> you told me they're so beautiful and when i go like this and i put my fingers in my mouth and pull my cheeks out so you can see them i said when i go like this and show them to my friends they go ew <laughs> so he was laughing <laughs> i said they don't think they're so beautiful when i go like this and show it to my friends they don't think they're beautiful he laughed he thought that was so funny your friends are not dentists that's why well, he said, I said, you told me they're beautiful. But when I show them to my friends, they don't think they're beautiful. It was so funny. They go, ew. <laughs> yeah. So Dottie's going off to bed. Good night, Dottie. Thanks for coming. Thanks for posting your stuff. I hope yeah. people go and look at Dottie's things because she puts a lot of work into that and she doesn't think anybody really looks at them. And I think that they probably do and don't comment. But she has a lot of information at her website about, especially in our neck of the woods, but not just here. Mm-hmm. She does things that relate to other places too. So She is a smart lady with a lot to offer. And I miss those shows we used to have, too, when she was on with Lisa McLean and talking about the constitutional state of Maine, which is not doing what it's supposed to be doing either. Yep, we've had quite a week. Yeah, let's hope some things improve next week. Let's hope uh, Donald Trump can uh, get rid of a few more alligators. Uh, just don't know. I wish we could see the in behind, but maybe we're blessed not to see what's going on in behind. They're yeah, going back in. So just all of us are by. concerned about infiltration, and neocons just have way too much power to, and are trying to get more wars going, and that's got to stop. So uh, I don't know. One step at a time. As, as I've said before, I'll say it again, he's he's merged with the largest corporation on the planet. It's going to take a while to get things corrected. So we can, sure can't expect overnight solutions on everything. But uh, And I hope he can keep the, uh, the infiltrators out. Continue with his uh, initial goals. Then. Well, I hope he's got all the tools to figure out who the infiltrators are in the first place so he can get them out because some of them are probably sitting there smiling in his face. (laughs) You know, the ones that you don't suspect, right? That's what you learned this week. Well, that's it. Uh, 
of course, the first thing you have to question is the the, the in-laws, people almost family. Because uh, everybody's concerned about Jared Kushner and, and just what's he doing that's dragging Trump's attention over to Israel on issues that we have no business supporting him on. Uh, but that's that's just one of many topics. Uh, we shouldn't be going to war with anyone. And the fact that ISIS has had uh, suspicious roots from square one, that get that needs to get rooted out, if I dare use the same expression again, uh, and, and corrected. But it, it's too much for me to comprehend what to do. I don't know who I would hire to uh, to do that. I mean, even our, our talk show heroes, uh, if we stuck Field McConnell in a position, how much could he honestly get done without saboteurs bringing him down? Yeah, I've uh, thought about that. Actually, even before I met any of these people or knew any of these people, but in the past with other things in life, I thought about that. How many people have the ability or the motivation to do certain things in the first place? In other words, how many people do you know who are qualified or that you would want in that position to be president or how many do you know you'd want to be the head of the FBI and things like that? It is a hard thing to even winnow down to the people that could do the job and then to pick the ones that you want there because of their background or stature or whatever. I I don't even know. I mean... There must be openings right now that are not filled because they can't find people to fill them. I don't even know where I place somebody like Field. He is so unique, <laughs> and I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of laughing because, you know, who, how, how would people relate to somebody like Field? You know, even people that like some of the things that he puts out because they know it's true or they suspect it's true or they want to help with the cause or whatever he's so different that they have a hard time relating to that kind of thing like he is oh, it's a hard thing to accept the... people to be individuals but I accept people to be individuals so I don't expect them to match what I think they ought to do I just kind of blend around whatever they are doing and Back get what Trump, I can out of it when <laughs> Trump's know? election was confirmed and he was actually on his website, taking suggestions for all the different cabinets. I recommended Field for Secretary of State. Really? Uh, uh, obviously, that, be interesting. that was a comment that got completely ignored. Uh, I don't know if you read it, if any of my comments were read. When when did you write that? Again, it was right, be, right after the election and the... Uh, uh, the Electoral College got confirmed. Uh, Trump's original campaign website changed over to Open Suggestion site. Oh, yeah. And he was taking suggestions for various cabinet positions. Uh, it didn't include all of them, so apparently he had already made up his mind on a few. But Secretary of State was still open at that time, and I put Field's name in there. Uh field, understands a lot of different countries. He's certainly traveled a lot. Uh, he understands different cultures. And he certainly understands the military better than I could. So uh, 
Oh, I thought he was the most qualified person I know for the position. Well, I, you know, I can see that if if the Secretary of State was still doing what that job is. But remember when we were talking? I don't know if it was last year or when it was when we dug out all that stuff. I did, anyways. I should say, and was talking about how the State Department and the embassies were actually serving as a second government in a way they were operating outside of the government and that yeah. they were doing commerce functions now, like um, almost like they were, well, the New World Order was based on business and commerce, like the Chamber of Commerce and all these different things. The way that it's operating right now, I can't see him being part of that, but the original idea of the State Department, which was, basically a liaison between governments. I could see that. Obviously not Hillary Clinton. He yeah. couldn't be Hillary Clinton or John Kerry because they're not really doing, they weren't doing the traditional keep it in the box, what the State Department is supposed to be doing. They were doing other things outside of that and operating as though they were the government. Yeah, I think people our so, age have, have realized that the the old guideline we were almost taught in high school, that of, well, you need somebody who's experienced. Have they ever held a political office before and managed a political office was the guideline we were kind of taught in high school. And we now realize that's total baloney. The last thing you want is a career politician, That's and that's the definition of somebody who has held a political office and has managed people corruptly before. Now you're putting the criminal yeah. into a higher position. Now you're following the Peter principle. Exactly. Of, of, of I was getting, waiting for you to say the Peter principle, exactly. Exactly, and they keep getting promoted to their highest level of incompetence. That's and right. That's what there you go, the, folks. If you never heard of it, that's what it means, the Peter principle. I love that. That is the guideline of, oh, professional experience. You baloney, yeah. Well, people were saying that about the president, that he didn't have any experience. Well, that's why he got elected, because people didn't want him to have that kind of experience, which is that you learn how to play the game, and you take your little kickbacks, and you do what you're told, and everything goes well. Yeah, for who? Who does it go well for? Not for us. Yeah, so politics is not like other careers and other industries where – you learn a little experience here, and then you move that on to your next position, and you and it goes with you. And come, and by the time you've climbed up to a high position, you have carried many years of legitimate experience into being a good manager. That applies in a lot of different industries. Yeah. Uh, but uh, not in politics. In politics, they drag the worst of the of what they learned with them up to the top. And it's layer upon layer of criminal behavior. It's not layer upon layer of growing intelligence like a regular human being. No, it's layer upon layer of criminal criminal behavior. And that's the last thing you want to touch because they turn into Hillary Clintons and Obamas. Yeah. Or Bushes or whatever. Your, your politician does your... Uh, well, it's like with a lot of people, like I know some people here in Maine that said that, you know, they were interested in running for offices or whatever. I've had people ask me if I wanted to do it before. And it's, you know, to me, the thing that would keep me from ever running for an office or trying to get a an office, you know, that could serve. I, I 
feel strongly about serving the community or my you know fellow Americans or whatever. I feel strongly about that, but I can't imagine having to go to work and fight off the the corrupt evil influences that I would have to fight off to be able to do the job because that it's so bad that you can't just go there and expect that you're going to be able to you know, fight that tide when that's what they live in. They wouldn't even understand somebody trying to do that. They The first thing they'd be doing is trying to corrupt you too so that you would be part of that system. And I, I just... You know, that's what keeps me from doing anything. I wouldn't run for any offices. I look sideways at anybody who says they're going to, honestly. Because I wonder why they're doing it. I don't know what the answer to that is. I mean, there isn't anybody that can just swoop in and say, all of you were fired. You're, we're starting from the ground. I I know a, a no-name individual who got... <laughs> got a hair up his nose and, and thought it would be a great idea. I'm going to go run for president because there aren't any good candidates yeah. out there. Well, he looked into the details. you got to get 10,000 signatures on a what petition. Uh, you, have to have, you have to have acquired 10,000 legitimate, confirmed voter registration addresses to get on a primary ticket. That's not for national. That's just to get on the, the, the state's primary. So I don't know how to get 10,000 people to sign something, much less find 10,000 people who are properly registered, registered to vote. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's only people who understand politics enough to know where do you go to petition signing organizations that stand out in front of Walmart and get you some names. Uh, but then somebody's got to sort through them and see, well, did the name Make they Make sure signed, they're valid. Yeah, was the name a yeah. real name? Yeah, it was a real human being standing there, but did he tell you the truth? Because yeah. uh, he's a stranger walking out of Walmart. You don't know who, who that is. Uh, so, yeah, running for office is no big deal, and that's just one of the setbacks that prevent any legitimate nobodies from getting on a ballot anywhere. And what does he have to do to make those of us who might agree with this party uh, to get him to have us put an X in his square on the box? Uh, there's got to be some help from some media to get their platform to our attention. That's usually expensive. And somebody who knows how to manipulate media. Or in Trump's case, to uh, get the media hating him so much that he got... Billions of dollars of free advertising <laughs> by uh, by uh, by uncredible uh, media bashing him all the time during the election. He was getting free advertising. <laughs> so. He was playing that like it was the best thing in the world because he thinks yeah. he thinks he brainstorms about stuff probably because he stays up all night. <laughs> like they say, why is he up in the middle of the night tweeting and stuff? It's because he's up thinking about what he's going to do. Strategizing. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm worn out, and it's been an exhausting week for me, and yeah. for, for both of us. So, uh, unless you got any other things to, to we have to no. hammer out tonight, well, I'll I'll just sign off for the night. 
you know, I think the things have slowed down a lot. I mean, as far as I can tell, I I don't see a whole lot of anything going on, honestly, other than just people picking at each other. Do you? Do you see anything going on that's like a large trend of any kind? I feel like no. everything's slowed right down. It has the uh the the Soros funded uh obstinance party is still going berserk on things. Uh oh, a funny thing on on this uh uh, uh cliff high uh, forecast for 2017. He said a, a strange term came up. He said there's there's going to be uh, uh, food fights in the media. Well, just a week after he puts those things out to the public, I, I forget the name of the politician, but not, not politician. No, this was a uh, uh, news reporter. Um, oh, I'd have to get Drudge on my page. It was just uh, some uh, radio talk show host was just sitting in a restaurant uh, minding his own business, and somebody came up and kicked the small dog he had with him and threw some food in his face. <laughs> so so that just happened a week after Cliff High goes and puts it in his activities coming up in 2017. So it, w- was that planted? I don't know. But it's kind of funny. I, I uh, don't know. I mean, sometimes I wonder if I fell asleep and woke up in an alternate you know, world or whatever. It feels mm-hmm. so bizarre some days I don't know I hope to find out I hope we know stuff I don't want to like die not knowing I'd like to know the answers to some of these questions so I don't know maybe we'll just keep watching and hope for a revelation well yeah uh, you're right as I mentioned my my uncle that had worked on a lot of prominent stuff in World War II and passed away late last year and I was just kind of wondering well if he'd hung on a few more months he, at that time he didn't even know if, if Trump was going to get elected Yeah. and uh, I still think there's a few more things he would like to have known before he passes on into, into the Lord's hands as, as we Christians believe but uh See, I'm looking at Drudge's page, and yeah, he's Michael Savage. That's who it was. Was uh, uh, just sitting in a restaurant, minding his own business, and got verbally and physically accosted. <laughs> and they people feel like they're justified in doing that. Well, as we've said before, it's just juvenile behavior that. I don't know better, but uh, we blame it on millennials, or do we just blame it on the constant dumbed-down television we've had all our lives? Some of us outgrew television, but uh, not everyone. So uh, anyway, that's how that goes. Uh, if I uh, commiserate anymore, I'll put uh, put James Gunn to sleep. So uh. <laughs> James Gunn. James Gunn is like. I think he naps when he right before he comes in here. Not sure, but it seems like I hear every once in a while that he overslept. But I'm yeah. not sure about that. But I think that we're all on different time frames, so I'm not going to fault anyone for napping because we've been napping lately too. Yeah. Yeah. Tired. Yeah. It's exhausting. 
some nights we do both get a little, little long-winded there. So. <laughs> no, four hours? No, everybody talks on the phone for four hours, right? Four, four and a half hours at times or whatever. Yeah. And it's it's oh. not just ginger. I, I drag it on myself here. And, uh, well, just a lot, of, a lot of topics come up, and, <laughs> and as soon as I think I'm done with one, you... <laughs> You toss another spark at me, and the flame flares up. Well, so. to me, I think it's a it's a good thing for brainstorming, and I think that this is just my idea about things. Obviously, I'm doing it, so it's I'm doing what I want. But it's I believe that when you hear people on the radio or on podcasts where they have to continually interrupt people, they have to break for a commercial, they have to say we're coming up on a hard break, we're we got to go now. Thank you for coming. And it's been exactly the same time frame as the last guest because it's all timed out, so it'll be yeah. very efficient. Yeah. You don't get to anything. You never get to anything. You get just little short. I think it's a technique probably so nothing is ever exposed yeah. or anybody ever talk about anything. And so I just feel like it has to be free-ranging. It has to be, oh, yeah, I just thought of this other thing, right? Um, because that's what people do. That's how they learn stuff, is just by talking to each other. Yeah. And maybe none of it's worth anything. How do I know? I'll I'll tell you, though, that whenever I listen to anybody's show where they allow people to talk and they just share their ideas, I always learn something because there's somebody there that knows it, knows what you want to know or tells you something you never heard of before. And I think it's valuable, (laughs) you know, if I had my way. That's how it would always be, is that between these hours, these people are going to get together and talk about stuff. Sort of like back in the old days when they used to call it salon or whatever. They'd get together at someone's home and people would talk. I think they called it salon. French, salon. And, you know, that's how people did do things in the old days before media. They got together and talked. That's it. So, recreating it a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, we're we're just doing the best we can here. And, yep. Uh, have Have you chosen what your new career is going to be now that you're out of uh, a rental property business? Or um, that... I don't know if I'm going to have a career, but I have. You know, I've always had a lot of interest, though. I think I mentioned a couple of things last week. Um, we, you know, we, both of us have done buying and selling before. We've, you know, we've done antique auction stuff, you know, collecting, uh, thrift store type things, uh, antique booths. Um, we've done things like that, buying and selling type thing. We're both good at sales because we've done similar, you know, we've sold things in our life before. Um, I can't imagine I would be happy doing a schedule again because, like we were talking about today, you know, I actually resent the clock because I was on it for so long. And I think people that work on the clock understand what I'm saying is that you have to get up every morning at 6 o'clock and go out no matter what the weather's like, no matter how much stress there is, whether you're sick or not, um, to start your day. You get tired of it, and when you don't have to do it, you don't want to do it. It's like, I don't want to get up at 6 in the morning. I don't want to have to go to work at 8 or whatever and 
I have determined that if I ever ah. own a business that has employees that right by the front door, I will hang an alarm clock from the ceiling, and I will also hang a single boxing glove. <laughs> yeah. And that is how you punch the clock to announce that you're in. I, I don't know. We'll make punch it a, the clock. It will, yeah. We'll make it a, an alarm clock with a loud bell on it, so it's announcing that, yeah, so-and-so just showed up for work. Great. <laughs> Yep. And like with with a lot of people, you know, where you if you have a lot of responsibility, I had a lot of responsibility in my life for other people, for their well-being, for their health and safety, et cetera, children, um, not just to teach them something, but to make sure they were physically safe and, and you know, relatively happy. It, it's a lot of responsibility that I'm I'm exhausted from. I don't want to have that again, even though I loved it while I was there and I would have continued until I dropped. I would have stayed there until I dropped, seriously. It was my project, my baby. I loved it. And so, you know, I thought I was going to return to something like that, but now it's been too long. I it, When was I last there? 2005 in the, in the early spring, I think, is when I left. So, you know, it's been 12 years. It's not likely I'm going back to anything like that, and now I've reached retirement age. It's just really strange because it's like, okay, what am I, 18 again? i got to figure out what I'm going to do. So for a while, I think what we're going to do is just buy and sell, which is if you have an education in various types of things and you've done it for a long time, you kind of can see the value in things when you see them. So yard sales, thrift shops, stuff like that, Um, you know, I didn't make $300 a week, okay, working. I didn't make $300 a week. So when we sold a freaking sign that was stored in an attic that was in my possession all this time, and here I am like starving to death, and we had this sign that I didn't even know was worth that much money. But when we saw it, we're like, well, let's try to sell it. I mean, I was floored. That pays a bill. Oh. I'm very, you know, $300. I mean, that feels like being wealthy now. So I'm I'm just like, I just want to hopefully be all right until, uh, until my life's over. I don't want to be dependent on people. It's hard. Well, I know um, that there's people listening right now that probably have dependency because of various things with ailments or whatever, and we never know. It could be tomorrow somebody could be disabled or dead. And I just I don't want to leave a lot of loose ends for somebody else to have to deal with because I've had to deal with other people's loose ends and it's hard. You just don't you don't want to do that if you're responsible. You know you want things tidied up as best you can. And this stuff, you know, like as far as dealing with the bank and stuff, that's frustrating to me because it's not how I want to be and it's not how I think they should be. And so I'm like. What am I supposed to do? Teach them how to run a bank? It's their job. I actually said that to her. It's your job to be the bank. <laughs> it's not mine. I shouldn't have to fix your problem that you made, right? Ugh, how do they argue with that? Uh-huh. I don't know. I I would love to uh, be able to be a, maybe sit in the corner with a telephone and solve people's problems for them by calling people and giving them crap. I could do that. Charge by the hour. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> There's an idea. The, the, the Peanuts cartoon. And, uh, Is that it? 
Oh, well, yeah, the advice thing, but I'm talking about say you wanted me to call somebody for you because you're frustrated and you've had enough. Hello, this is so-and-so, and I'm calling on behalf of, right? Do you think it would be possible if you guys got your act together over there and fixed the problem? <laughs> I well, can see that, that you've got that, two that, minutes to explain yourself. I think that was back in the <laughs> 80s when they started that 900 service that uh, you call, uh, you pay to call a certain number and they either tell you jokes or throw insults at you or something that you could offer a, a you know, I'll call somebody up and insult you for you for a fee. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, something like, just anything, I'll deliver the message for you. Yeah. If you don't want to call them and tell them that you've had enough and you're not going to go out with them anymore, call me and I'll call them for you. Yeah. Tell me what you want me to say. Tell me the situation, and I'll make it up myself, and I'll write it in my own words. <laughs> well, personally, I, I just paid the last of my annual corporate filing fees and whatever and, and paid my, my office rent in Las Vegas for a year. And uh, so I've I've got a ready-to-go, fully licensed, fully uh, registered corporation and I feel like the old expression, all dressed up and no place to go. So uh, I'm, I'm no longer developing alternative energies. I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I may be managing uh, gold mine deeds over time. I don't know. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, if they're productive, yeah. But if it's just a piece of dirt that I have to go out and do a lot of digging and may find a nugget every third day of digging, that that's not good. Uh, Do you know any foreign languages? None. I'm terrible. Oh, darn. I was going to say you could be a translator because apparently we're going to have all these people here from other countries that can't speak our same languages. I opened up a piece of mail that was for something about Medicaid or Medicare supplemental something anthem is sending me. And on the sheet inside the envelope, there's a whole page of foreign languages in case I don't speak any in case I don't speak English. We have here German, Japanese, Khmer, which where is that? Is that Cambodia? Khmer? K H M E R. Sounds I, like something over there. I don't know exactly. Korean Oromo. I don't even know what Oromo is. O R O M O. Polish, Russian, Tagalog. Thai and Vietnamese, Arabic, Spanish. It's on the front too. I didn't realize it went to the front too. Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, Dinka, and French. So there's a lot of languages in case you can't understand English and you need Medicare supplements. Getting kind of ridiculous out there, folks. I figured you could be a translator. There'd be some call for that, and you could make money off of that if you knew how to speak another language. Uh, but I don't, so so that's out. Also, tutoring. Somebody suggested to me, what about tutoring? Because I could do tutoring, because I could probably teach school up to the age of maybe 12. So I could probably tutor kids. But this day and age, I mean, do you really want proximity to someone's children who could turn around and make an accusation against you and take everything you have because nowadays nobody has the morals to realize they shouldn't be accusing people of things 
they just figure, hey, it works, I can get something for free. Well, so, exactly, and if, if mom and dad yeah. are feeding them aspartame all the time and they get their first bad reaction while they're over at your place, that's not a good thing either. So, Well, the, th- the thing I did think I could possibly do if I had the energy for it, right now I don't, but maybe I will feel it after I recover from some of this stress, um, was we have a really nice library here. The Bangor Public Library is awesome. It's had some endowments from um, the King family, Stephen King and his wife. They just did a, a renovation where they added what they called like an internet cafe to the front where people can just go in and enjoy the sunshine and use their computers and have programs and whatever, speakers and authors come and everything. The last renovation they did was really beautiful, and I haven't been in since this newest one to see what the changes are but they apparently took the children's area, which was right there, and put it upstairs somewhere, and then put this, I think it's so when the homeless people come in and hang out to get in where it's warm that they're not mingling with the children. I think that's the reason they split it like they did, but I don't know that for sure. But I could meet there. So in other words, the the child would not be alone with somebody in their home, but they would be in a public place, which would be the public library. They could meet there and be picked up there. So there would be no, you know, there would be no, like, off to the side somewhere hiding out with somebody's kid, right? Um, But I don't know if I want to go into the time that that would, you know, require, because you'd have to have enough hours so that you could have people have their kids there at a certain time and then their school. And so it would be like how many people could you actually accommodate and how much money could you actually make doing that? Now it's, uh, I don't know if it would be worth it because how much an hour would you get paid to do that? Say like kids that needed help with reading or something like that, I could do that easily. But So I don't know. I think I'm going to just be independent for a while and, see what we can do, see how it develops, and not make plans, because every time I do that, the rug gets pulled out from under me before I get done, and I'm tired of trying. Burnout, I think you call it. There is a uh, funny guy on YouTube who I guess lives in the Las Vegas area. Uh, It's called AskJeffWilliams.com. Is uh, yeah. is his uh, character name on on YouTube, and he does these little ten fifteen minute videos about gold mining and prospecting and whatnot, and he does it in a very funny fashion. Uh, yeah, he's got, a, he's got an excellent uh, on camera uh, uh, persona. Sometimes yeah. a little too silly, but uh, but he gets the point across. He actually educates you in the course of the the ten or fifteen minute videos. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I could strike a business deal with him. And hey, you, you, you want a corporate structure to to really go uh, full network with it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that you have certain skills that other people don't have. Yeah. So is there any way to use those? Well, finding gold is not one of them. But goodness, the latest uh, video yeah, you made. Yeah, but you're interested in it. At least you're interested in it. You're not just like a. The last video he made, he uh, he walks up to a certain rock that I have seen out in this area, and he starts lecturing on it and using a lot of fancy geological terms that kind of go over your head. 
but he chips yeah. off a few pieces of it, and he takes it home and grinds it, and then pans the grinding, and there's gold nuggets in it. I'm thinking, oh, that's the kind of rock I've seen out here. So uh, this guy knows how to find gold a lot better than, than Desert Pete does. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. We'll see if there's there's a lot of business opportunities in Vegas. I just need to get over there and start socializing a bit and meet. Maybe you could be one of those uh, poker dealers or something. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so either. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's just there's a lot of different things that people – you know, they're, they come up with when they're brainstorming that they can't come up with when they're stressed. And that's why I think it's a good idea to brainstorm, too, with a bunch of people because you, you might say, hey, that might work. You know, like yeah. I saw something this week that I thought was so cute and I should have saved it. I didn't. I don't know where it is, but you could find it probably pretty easy. But there's these guys, I guess they're in the Boston area, and they dress up like dinosaurs. Have you seen this anywhere? They dress up like dinosaurs and they go out and do the snow removal and stuff. So they're like shoveling snow and snow blowing and stuff and they're wearing a dinosaur costume. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it is so funny because we just had those big storms up here and, you know, a lot of snow. And somebody posted the video again of this little dinosaur out there removing snow. And and they said that this company does this. It's not like just a one-time thing where they thought they'd be funny. They actually do that. And I thought, it's marketing genius. You know, if you you have a sense of humor or your kids, you know, you think your kids love dinosaurs and it would be funny, you just hire them to come over and they have dinosaurs clearing out their yard. What a riot. That's a key point in marketing is getting people's attention first and then yeah. making them get off their duff and realize they need to act now is, is the other half of the equation. Yeah, well, I mean, so then what does that make you think of? You could dress up in a costume and go do a common everyday activity that people need, a service of some kind or whatever, yeah. and make money off the fact that they call you because of this this, this bizarre costume that makes it funny. I, yeah. You know, it's something outside the box that most people would never, I, I mean, I would never think of dressing up as a dinosaur and doing snow removal or shoveling. But it didn't even impair their movement or anything because the costume was basically, you know, just the regular costume with a long tail at the back. So it's not like it's getting in their way or anything because it's behind them when they're walking. So it's you know, they could still move around easily in that costume without getting tangled up in it or anything else. Cause the, it tail is, now, you know? the tail is probably sweeping the sidewalk <laughs> behind them. That's <Yes>, while <laughs> the, they're walking. The final touch. <laughs> it, just was, it was very funny looking. I mean, if you get a chance, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere, but it's dinosaurs that are doing snow removal. Oh, my gosh, it's funny. And I think there's three of them, so occasionally they would stop and do dances in the middle of the street or something. Oh, my gosh. Thinking, no, <laughs> no, yeah. oh, too much imagination there. There's a there's oh. a tax filing service out here that, well, it's just an atrocity. What uh, what costume the uh, the sign waivers wear in front of the business? They're dressed up as a Statue of Liberty, and the name of the company is Liberty Tax. And I'm thinking, boy, yeah, they that... do it here. We have oh. that here too. 
uh, yeah. back there. It talks about an ox- yeah. oxymoron expression. Yeah, uh, exactly. But uh, nevertheless, until uh, until we until Trump or somebody gets rid of IRS, that's just a fact of life we have to deal with. Uh, and I interpret uh, Jesus Christ's comments on uh, "Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's." I translate that myself as "Just keep the monkey off your back." Yeah. Uh, I've had anti-taxers shove in my face, well, how can you allow your tax money to do this war and that evil thing and, and whatever? And I don't go along with the total Romans 13 interpretation of it, uh, that I don't think Christ respected the Roman government that much, and I think he was fully aware of all the evil things that the Roman government was doing. But when he said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, well, Caesar printed the money, so give him back the money that they coined. And uh, keep the monkey off your back, give them what they want, and that's one less thing to worry about in life. I think that was the message Christ was trying to get across to us. So uh, so that's why I voluntarily file and, and whatnot. So... Uh, uh, People don't complain about real estate taxes. Well, that's true. Yeah, with with my uh, with my bad habit of shopping for mansions, <laughs> uh, that's the other fact of life. Is if if some miraculous thing happened that one of these beautiful mansions I admired was given to me, I couldn't afford the taxes on it. I was looking at one place; the taxes on it were like thirty thousand dollars a year, just the property tax on on the place. Boy, so now you got to go back to work again just to pay the property taxes on a mansion you may already own. Yeah, we're we are thinking simpler now. Like you know, if worst comes to worst, camp. Because you know you can live pretty well in a camp. Well, you don't even, really need much actually when you think about it. You don't need much. You need some heat. You need a roof that doesn't leak. And some clothes and some food, and that's about it. When your environment, uh, camping in the winter is kind of out of the question. And in my Yeah, but our camps up here are not tents. They're camps. They're houses, really, small houses. Okay. So the, the only thing is that you might have, like, a, you know, a source of heat that might be a little different, like you might have a heater in it or a little wood stove or something. But you could put a little bit of heat in it because it's small, so you could heat it pretty well. And then, you know, other than that, I put up the dinosaurs, by the way. I found them. Oh, okay. T-Rex, no uh, removal service, it says. But camping out here in the summer, I'd be afraid of a sidewinder getting into my tent. Yeah, it's different where you are. Uh, Sidewinder or other odd desert creatures. So... uh, just the very thought of, of sleeping on the ground in, in this area at night, no thank you. There, there's too many weird things that can crawl into your sleeping bag or and whatever. Yeah. There's a big snake missing in uh, Florida, and people were talking about it. Um, I think it's in the Orlando area somewhere, and I think it's a boa. No, it's a cobra. 
So they're looking for it down there, and people were talking about it. I have relatives in that area, actually, and they are not too happy not knowing where it is. Ooh, a cobra. Those are not a safe thing to be around. No. No. And they don't have no idea where it is. So it's like your your animals, your kids and stuff, you don't know where that thing is. No one has any idea. So uh, you don't have to worry about snakes up here for the most part. Somewhere I saw a picture of an anaconda the other day, and those things are like an industrial pipeline. Yeah. Uh it just boggles the mind that they can get as big as they are. I've I've always read about pythons and boa constrictors, and I always thought those were the biggest snake in the world until I later learned about an anaconda, and no, the anaconda takes the cake on that. Wow. Again, nothing you want to get near. Because the, the mouth on an anaconda is big enough to swallow a human being. Uh, it doesn't just go after small mice and things. Yikes. So, uh, that's it's one part of the I better not have any dreams about those tonight. <laughs> well, sorry about mentioning it then. But I know, really. Ooh. That's just another good reason to stay out of South America. And uh, The other reason to stay out of Brazil, and shocks of, with my knowledge of fish, I, I would have thought I should have known this years ago, but I only learned it in the last couple of years. Uh, the the notorious electric eel is a freshwater fish that's only local in uh, Brazil. Is its native territory the the Amazon waters of Brazil? Uh, but my gracious, if if that's a slithery looking thing in a in a drainage ditch, uh, you don't want to lean over and pick one of those things up. Uh, I don't care if you grab him by the tail. Uh, it's not his bite, it's that shock, you know, like 30,000 volts or something oh. come out of it. So uh, Brazil has some, some weird creatures, and I think that's where anacondas uh, grow also. Yeah, speaking of Brazil, did you watch that clip from the movie last week? Yes. It was that, funny. That was, uh, that was the ultimate strike against bureaucracy. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, bizarre movie. But yeah, that's that's why they titled it Brazil. It was uh, that's uh, that's Nazi bureaucracy taken to the ultimate extreme. <laughs> yeah, I I talk about people like that all the time about how it's got to be made for the computer and efficiency and how much time it took and how much money it costs for each minute and everything else. And I just I don't see the value of that at all. And I think that there are a lot of people in the world who think that is really important, all that stuff. And I'm talking about, you know, like one minute or if it if you can shave off, you know, $5 off of the cost, you know, things like that, and they spend their whole life doing that. It's like bean counting. It's like, who cares? Where is the happiness in that? None, but you can say you won because you had one dollar more when you died than the guy next to you. I guess I don't know what the point is, but I know there's people that's how they think all the time. It just drives me crazy. I'm glad everybody's not that way. We would have no artists because they wouldn't be able to be perfect. 
move on. Yeah. Uh, try to get something done here while during our, our remaining time here on Earth. Yep. So, exactly. But yeah, from uh from this comment, this well, just everybody has to understand who Jesus Christ is and get that issue settled in, settled in your life. That's it, what my dad taught me from an early age. Get your eternity lined up first and then go out and do anything else you want. Uh, oh. And we're free to earn our income as, as honestly as we can, of course, but uh, but we're free to choose whatever our, our career is, our, our mate, everything. So, uh, so God has given us lots of freedom in this world and we just need to use it righteously and and move on. Uh, and just what other people have done in their lives, I'm in no position to judge. But uh, it would just be nice if, if we saw evidence of uh, the do unto others as you want them to do unto you in uh, in all of our business dealings would sure be nice. Uh, yeah, well, everybody doesn't think the same way. That's the thing that I learned so late in life, I wish I'd known earlier, was that while you're busy taking care of them and making sure everything is fine with them, they're all good about that, but they're also concerned with taking care of them and making sure everything's good about them. And yeah. so there's no uh there's no balance there is like, well wait a minute. Wait a minute. If I'm worried about you and you're worried about you, then who's worried about me? <laughs> exactly. I never even it never crossed my mind that there were people like that. Well, I should say, I knew that there were people like that, but I thought they were rare, not common. So, well, you know. We, we've learned from observing other businesses that uh, when the money's flowing, everything is fine and hunky dory, and businesses grow, and everybody's friends, with, most everybody's friends with each other. But when the money well, gets tight, that's when <sighs> ulterior motives come out of the woodwork. And uh, somebody wants to maintain the the cushy lifestyle they had, and uh, and compromises get made. And I think that's what happened with my engineer is that we we've just been struggling in poverty for way too many years. And and this former stockbroker business manager just wasn't able to find investors, so I couldn't. I got to confess, I couldn't do my job. And my job as president of the company was to go out and find investment money to get all of his paychecks, and I've just failed miserably at that. But uh, but turning around and stabbing me in the back was extremely counterproductive. So uh, Anyway, we, we meet all the well, time. Well, I feel life. sad for you. I just want you to know I feel sad that that happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, just the next rhetorical question is if money had come in, would he have still still pulled the same stunt? I don't know. That I won't know for eternity. No, we won't know. Uh, but I just know what happened and where I'm kind of left with egg in my face here with a, a company and, and no product or service to, to offer. Well, I shouldn't say no service because we still have two more active seats of that design software and I do have have one good Christian mechanical engineer friend who, who oddly enough just got laid off from his job last week, and is looking for something to do. 
Uh, and my vice president is real good at CAD, so we can offer CAD services if anybody wants it. Uh, it's just got to be kind of expensive. Uh, so it's nothing you play around with just for entertainment. Uh, because it's such expensive software, just to sit down and turn the computer on and run it is uh, uh, requires a lot of training and skill just uh, to get that done. But, uh, but why am I lecturing people on CAD? Jameskin says that he's a great CAD artist, so maybe he knows he knows more about that than I do, probably. But uh, but it's it's just not cheap software to play with. Uh, anyway, I am definitely rambling on too long here, so I got to sign off for the uh, for the week. But uh, let's hope we're all in better spirits next week and uh, and have something productive to report on. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for uh, for enduring me another evening here. So uh, Ginger will let you, let you sign off for the night. I'm out here. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Good night. Well, I guess we're needing to take a break and relax and think about life because I guess we're going to have a bunch of changes and we need to get ready for those and find out what we're going to do next and all that stuff. So if anyone has any ideas, it's good to pitch in and, and you know, tell us about some of them because we may need to be using those before too much longer. I'm not going to worry right now. I'm just going to think about different ideas of things we can do. We thought about selling T-shirts, too. A lot of people buy T-shirts. They like them. They wear them out. So who cares? Just get a good idea for a T-shirt and sell them. We'll see. I'll keep you posted anyways. I hope you keep me posted, too, on anything that you think is a cool idea for making some money. And maybe one of us will hit on a, something great. The new better my mousetrap or whatever. Um, I'm not sure what you guys are asking me about. Uh, did I feel I was going up or whatever, moving upwards? Um, I was talking about my house and how crammed full it is, and that I'm finding stuff. I was talking about that earlier on about how I'm finding stuff that some of it's been sitting there for 30 years. It's really dusty and everything too, but. As I pull it out, it's like having a time capsule of that time period in my life, and it's pretty interesting while it's also, you know, a little, I don't know. I feel accomplishment, okay, from getting it out of there, but I also feel like, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting, but it's also in some ways sad because that time period's done and the people are gone that that were involved in all that, you know, my either my coworkers or my children, my husband, you know, the whole family thing. So... It it can be weird to clean out stuff that's that old, but I feel good that it's happening finally. So, and James, can I haven't found the piano yet? It's still buried, but eventually it will be out. And maybe when I do get it uncovered, I'll play you guys a song. I'll practice first because I haven't played in a while, and I'll play you guys a song, and you'll know that I really could play piano. And even though I couldn't get to my piano for a while, like decades, I'm ashamed to say. Um, We'll uh, we'll have music in our life again. Okay, so I'm seeing this. Okay, I said when we moved in, I walked upstairs and I said, hey, I'm upstairs. I'm not kidding. We moved in. We moved from a trailer where we had been renting. We bought this house, <clears throat> came into it. There was nothing in it. It was, I mean, really, barely. it was like a shell of a house, really. 
plaster walls, old wallpaper with paint over the top of it. It was a real fixer-upper, but it was solid. So I go upstairs, and I go, hey, I'm upstairs, because it was just cool. It seemed huge to me then, really huge. And then I'd come back down, hey, I'm downstairs. Wait, I'm going to go back upstairs again, because I thought it was just cool that you could have that much room to move around. So I've been here a long time. Um, so let's see I guess we didn't have a whole lot we were talking about in the chat tonight a few links in here as I put in you can get these uh, chats and the and also the links that people have put in by just doing chatgrabber.com and then putting in the show ID which is 94426 and then um put in the episode that you want to look at. Tonight's is 273, and you can get these and go back and look through them. Um, Dottie put some interesting links in here tonight. Uh, James Kinn and Val Am put some links in also. Desert Pete put some in. So if you're just listening to this uh, and not looking, you might want to go look in and see what they have on here because they're interesting things about what's going on right now in the world. And educational too. Like if you you know, if you want to know about stuff going on, the best thing to do is listen to a lot of different people and what they're interested in and you'll find out things that you didn't know before. So anyway, my headache seems to be gone now, so I'm gonna go rest up and drink lots of water like I was told by my friends in the chat. Just drink a ton of water and hopefully I'll be feeling better. Yeah, James Ken says it's been eight years of trying to find the piano. I think it might even be longer than that, James Ken. But uh, and I have a lot of sheet music too. I have at least two of every piece of sheet music ever written. Just kidding, but I do have a lot of music, and some of it I've never played. It's just piled. So, uh, um, I will say good night to you guys then. Anybody have any questions? Any interesting stuff that I missed? I'm so happy that we have a president named Donald John Trump. There, I said that in case any of the snowflakes are listening. It drives them crazy when you say that. Netanyahu disobeys Trump, L.A.M. just said. Eight said drink. James can said love music when it rings. Me too. Yeah. I rehearsed with my girls this week. We're still having a hard time because we lost our fourth person. So it's not a quartet anymore, and we're trying to decide if we should try to get another member or just stick with the three of us. So we're singing things and trying to hear if the fourth voice is missed too much. And I'll tell you what we sang this week. We were trying out songs to see which ones we could still sing. One is called Meet Me Tonight in Dreamland. That's a Sweet Adeline song. Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White, which we sang for one of our members' uh, granddaughter's wedding this past September. We sang Unchained Melody, which still sounds sort of okay. And we sang Hallelujah, which is the one that's... um, the Leonard Cohen, hallelujah. 
hard because when you sing um when you sing with somebody for several years and they're gone from your life and you just have three left, it's kinda hard. But it was our tenor. It was our high flighty voice girl. Beautiful voice too. Anyway, all right, we're not gonna think about things that are sad. We're gonna say happy things and have a great week and hopefully everything is great for everyone and that if it's not great that it's improving at least. And I will see you again next week. Okay? Thank you, Desert Pete. Thanks everyone. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.